0: So we are honored today to have Ramsey with us. I've read his articles. We've looked at his life history and he's not done a long form podcast like this before. So it's a first and we were discussing your story before and James was particularly interested to know, like, how old were you? Well, thank you very much for coming on first. How old were Pleasure. you when you came to England from Iraq?
1: About four, About four. four years old. Yeah. yeah. This was 1962.
0: So do you she remember was... Iraq much then?
1: No, not at all. Not at all. No, uh, the reason is I was, I was really close to my dad and my granddad, and when we, when, when we, you know, we had to leave all of a sudden. Yeah, it was just like I gave myself a little bit of self therapy at the age of four. It's you know the mechanisms that uh, protect your mind. Yeah. It just went because of the hurt of losing them both. It was like bump. They both had to go off together, and it just something wow. I did. But I never realised that. I've totally forgotten it. It wasn't until years later having a trip that it suddenly, suddenly I became that kid again yeah. during a, uh, an acid trip, you know.
0: During an acid trip.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad became a
0: political prisoner.
1: Yeah. What were the grounds for him becoming a political prisoner? Well, he was politically active. He was a communist I mean, the, the bath party, I don't know if you, if you know, but Saddam Hussein's bath party is a socialist party. So technically they were socialists. So there was a pretty, um, secular society there, but he was very outspoken. And basically when you say, who do you want to stay in power? What you get, what you got there was a slip with your name and address on it. that said yes or no, that was it. So brave people like my dad just said, no, we don't want you anymore. So what they did was he, he worked in a, in a university. He, my mum had met him in England at Leicester university. And that was how they met. He was at university and then he went back cause he wanted to be a college lecturer on the oil fields. And, um, when he'd, um, when he'd finished and he went back there, he was at work during they were doing these elections and they just turned up and said, you're being arrested for stealing books, you know, taking books from the college home. And yeah. He said, "Well, well I'm, a, I'm a lecturer here. I take those books home." They got him in pre- They got him into court, and uh, they got some witness they'd never seen before to say, "Yes, I saw him take those books." And he got five years. So he was put in the detention centre first in Kirkuk and then he went to Abu Ghraib. Now, you know, it's the infamous one. That's mm. so he was in there for probably five and a half years. And did you learn
0: from him what the conditions were like in there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were bad. There was like the, the, the cells that they were in were built for 12 people and there'd be 60 people in them. So you couldn't, you know, you couldn't all sit down or, t- or lay down at the same time. And the floor was dirt and you used to dig an hole and have a shit in it. Um, he got lots of beatings. He was in uh, solitary confinement for about probably nearly two years of that. And solitary confinement there is six by four foot cell, no lights, a hole in the floor to shit in and a blanket. Ah. But you got a candle that you could read a book by. So you got that candle and that's... that's, But he used to actually get in, deliberately get into fights so he could get in there (laughs) because (laughs) because it was better than being in the cell with all them people and having to walk around in shit. And they used to get fed I mean, I think he said for, for one, at one point for nearly 18 months, they'd get bread and onions, that would be all they ate. So he did have organ problems and he sort of died from them eventually. Um, uh, you know, shit. because of the, the you know, obviously the, the acid in there.
0: Oh my God.
1: We've heard uh, a lot of prison stories, haven't we? But that's like, and he used to, when he had a fight, you got beaten. They used to, they used to beat the legs and I, we, as kids, we always to take the mickey out of his legs because his, his shins were really shiny, and no yeah. hair on them and we just, just take the mickey out of his shiny shin. He never said anything, but that was, that was scar tissue from the beatings on his legs, you know, wow. that he used to get, it, cause you know, they're like beating the feet and stuff like that. So, and the thing is all this time when he was eating this rubbish food, you, your family is allowed to bring you three meals a day Uh-oh. and they brought him three meals a day for the whole six years he was there. Holy he never shit. got it once. Like the, gods at, the gods the gods oh my yeah. god
0: so he lost a lot of weight then probably right what did you say it was onions and bread yeah how did the general population of prisoners treat the political prisoners
1: there were all, all political prisoners in there it was, it was just, all political prisoners everybody everyone was in there because um <clears throat> what they would do is just anyone that disagreed everyone was whether you were a criminal or whatever you were all treated exactly the same way you're all taken yeah you're all taken into that place and all treated exactly the same way so um they were he didn't get executed they executed most people the reason he didn't get executed because my mum was british she went to the to the embassy the embassy got involved and they contacted the prison every week to make to to make sure that he was all right and that and that kept him alive he didn't know that he had no idea why he wasn't being executed, so for all that time, but uh, after about four and a half years, there was like a, a, a dispute between the w- uh, military infighting, which was a um, obviously some sort of a military coup, and the prison guards just thought, "Shit, who, which side are these people going to be on? Who's going to win?" So they just opened the gates and let them out. Wow! So everybody escaped. The whole prison went. The guards just went and left them. <clears throat> as it was, the, the takeover didn't come you know, didn't come to fruition, so the guards came back and then they searched for them all. Um, quite a few were shot, but everyone that came back, they broke an arm or a leg uh, or a hand, and, and so everybody was in. then there was you know with crutches and everyone but my dad was the last one to get caught, and he went and handed himself in. Uh, because it, you know, it was too dangerous for, his, for the people that were, uh, that were harboring him. So he got dressed up in a suit and just walked up to the door and said, let me in. And they just let him in because they, they weren't sure if he was an official when they were too scared to stop him. <laughs> so he said <laughs> he went in and walked around the prison for a bit, going where he wanted mm-hmm. until one of the prisoners said, hey, he'll be one of us. <laughs> <clears throat> and the punishment they gave to my dad was they didn't do anything to him. They didn't break any bones or anything. So the prisoners then thought he was an informant. Mm. He got a year, he got a year extra though. So he got five years and He ended up doing six because they put that extra year on top. <laughs> and what they did to my dad then, because they had to take him out of general population for the last 18 months, he had to stay in the cell with the people that are going to be executed the next morning. And he was told that if they were not, if they weren't alive in the morning, he was taking their place. So for 18 months, every night, that's what he had to do. And he, oh my and, God! And he said some of them, you could, you know, they, they, they knew why they were dying. They, they weren't bothered. They they just accepted it. They played cards or um, chess all night. He said, but others literally tried to bite the wrist because they didn't want them to kill them, not to kill themselves. Tried to bite the wrist out, run at the wall, and try and pop their heads on the wall. And they had to grab them and hold them, and you know. Holy shit! To I can't believe I'm here.
0: Innit? Oh my God! This is insane. Yeah. So if he's in there, then. You're going to form some friendships, and then those people get executed. Did he ever describe anything like that? How he dealt with no, psychologically? No, I, I never.
1: I, a lot of this I sort of got later on. Mm. I never got on well with, with my dad really till I was about thirty. I never really spoke to him much because when he came out of prison, he was still really paranoid. He couldn't understand why I was alive. He thought they're going to send people to kill me, and 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 we were no longer Iraqi. We we were we all speaking English with English accents, and, and he felt like he'd lost us, you know, because the, you know, the, the culture is totally different. You know, we, we thought we could stay out till, you know, eight, nine o'clock, and he thought we should be in bed by six.
0: It sounds like his life should be made into
1: a movie. Yeah, he's dead now. He'd, yeah. He died in 1997, you yeah.
0: know. What method did they use to execute the political prisoners? They shot them. Just shot them. Yeah. All right, then. You end up back in the UK.
1: Do you want to hear a story about his dad? Yes, please. All right. You know, the, um, the genocide in the 1920s, you know, the, when the Turks were, were, try, were trying to kill all the Armenians yes. and all the Christians. Well, his father was Armenian. They, they lived in a village. And him and his brothers went out one day. Uh, went to, I don't know whether they went to the market or they went somewhere. When they came back, the entire village had been killed. Everyone, but they'd kidnapped the kids and and some of the girls. So him and his brothers then just, and it's not just his brothers, but some of the people, the the men that were still alive, they just spent the next few years just killing every Muslim that they came across, you know, for three or four years. Eventually there was, in Iraq, they were given political asylum uh, and they were given amnesty if they handed their weapons in. And that's how they got together and that's how they ended up in Iraq. Wow. And, my, and he was very, he hated Muslims, obviously, because of this. And, and my dad says there was a, it was before he was born, but he killed a man for giving him halal food Good just grief. because he gave him some food, He, he you know, that he'd given him something that had been, uh, you know, been blessed by a Muslim. You know, yeah. He was that, you know, that annoyed about it.
0: Wow. So what is your cultural background then? like your grandparents, where were they well, descended from?
1: Armenia. Armenia, yeah, Armenia. all yeah, Armenian. Armenian. Okay. And there's a bit of Turkish in there as well, I would assume, because that's basically where, where they were in that part of Turkey.
0: Yeah. yeah. I was out in Turkey the other year before lockdown. It's, uh, it's quite but, nice. You, but now.
1: also Iraqi and everything. So, I mean, I'm not sure. They all spoke Arabic anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad spoke Arabic.
0: All right. So you've been transplanted from that country, Iraq. You're four years old. And how are you adjusting to the UK?
1: Well, first of all, I had to put up with my granddad. It was Scottish, and because um, my mum's half Scottish, half English. Yeah. And of course, as soon as my mum came back, and you know, my granddad went, I knew it. I knew I knew you'd be back, because obviously, this, I mean, this is in. It's a long time ago. My mum, she had two boyfriends. One was African, <laughs> and the other was was Arab. You know, so. <laughs> You know, and, and he was a proper Scot and he was pretty racist, you know. Because <laughs> when we came in the house and we were speaking Arabic, he just stopped, he went, and this was his that word. My mum told me this was his that words were, you'll no speak like language in Mayhus. <laughs> and that was it. We were not allowed to speak it. So we lost that language, which was a shame because my mum spoke it fluently and she spoke it all her life, you know. But that was the, uh, would you get censored for saying that? Saying what? Would I get censored for saying that?
0: No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, If there's anything that's goes off, we'll, we'll, we'll fix it. Don't worry.
1: Um, what about school then? How did you fit in in school? At school, at first, I did get. I mean, I looked pretty English, but the thing is, my granddad worked for the Leicester Mercury, so there was always articles about my dad in there, and my dad's name is Abdullahad, which is just which is just Abdul. Everyone said Abdul. Now in those days anybody that came from the Middle East or from India, it was people who just call him Abdul. So it was the worst possible name you could have as well. So I'll just get things like, you know, where do you part your camel? You've got camel shit on your shoes. You know, did you come to school on a magic carpet? And The normal stuff that kids get, you know. What, but, what, but
0: year, I, what years was that approximately when you were in school? Was,
1: <clears throat> this is when I was between the ages of, um, you know, six and, Nine, like the seventies. Yeah, it was in the yeah. Well, the 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 late sixties. Okay, late sixties, seventies. Yeah, so
0: racism was rife.
1: Yes, but nobody saw it as racism because every because I didn't see it as any more any more personal to me than the fat girl they got abused and the ginger kid, the spotty kid, you know, the, the the smelly kid, the poor kid. I mean, but I do remember specifically the gypsy lads. Wow, those kids, they got some stick. It seemed like everybody hated them, the teachers. And, the, and it's funny because of the story There's a, there's a lad, one of, one of the lads, he broke into the school. I think it was about only nine or 10. He broke into the school and the, you know, they had caretakers. The caretaker chased him and he couldn't find him. He'd got up on a ledge where they had great big massive plant pots and he just pushed one. Off. This, this young lad just pushed it. <laughs> obviously got. That's when he got expelled from the school. He pushed it and nearly killed the uh, the um, the caretaker. And he ended up in hospital and I fractured his skull.
0: Wow! How did you slip into criminality then?
1: I just hung around with older kids who, you know, first of all shoplifting and you know nicking people's possessions, and it just slowly progressed from there. And I just, you know, it, it just got slightly worse and then as i got to a teenager i was doing more serious things In in those days when if you you know when people got paid with cash in envelopes and the you know the people that owned the factories would get the tray of their envelopes you know and, and you'd get your thing on a thursday afternoon you would get your wages and from being very very young i said i'd sneak out on a punch grab an handful of um, wage packets and then just run off onto my bike and bike off.
0: So some people get into these crimes because of financial necessity. Some no. were adrenaline junkies, excitement. Yeah. What? How would you describe yourself
1: at that age? Well, I had all of those things, really. All had, of them? I had no money. Yeah. It was very exciting. And I was greedy. Yeah. I just wanted stuff for nothing. I think what had happened when I when I told you about when I'd sort of like switch my my mind off, switch my emotions off, that had switched other m- emotions off as well. It had made me. It, it had taken away my conscience about things, and I, it's only as I now older I can look back and see that there were things that happened to me that caused me to be have not much of a conscience about things. I wasn't cruel, you know, but I didn't think about anyone else's feelings. If I wanted something, I just, I just took it. So, you know, I'm not gonna make any excuses. My mum loved me, you know, she'd, you know, she'd let me know all the time. So I had a good childhood.
0: You became obsessed with Bruce Lee and karate.
1: Us? Yes. So- Us. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, did you start training at that young age?
1: I started training when I was about 12. I started doing a bit of weight training because I knew Bruce Lee did it. And I started doing karate. I mean, I didn't really know the difference between Kung Fu and karate. I started a karate, to karate school. And uh, I did that for a couple of years and I was training and entered a couple of competitions and that as well. And then one day when I was 14, I was in a news agents with my friend. Sorry, my hands were disturbing you. Know, no, was, no, you're fine.
2: We like, like ge- we like <laughs> gesticulation in here.
1: <laughs> um, and on the top shelf you used to put all the wank mags on the top shelf <laughs> and there was a bodybuilding magazine yeah they put you used to put the, the, the well I mean I, that, our first time I, saw, I just looked up and I'd never seen a bodybuilding magazine and there was a it was a French bodybuilder and his wife Serge Nebray he was Mr. World she was Mrs. World and he was doing a pose like I've still I've still got that magazine 1972 you still got it I've still got <laughs> it yeah still got that mag at home the actual V1 wow Um, and then I opened it up I was with Steve and I looked, opened it up and there's Arnold Schwarzenegger in there and I went it just someone just I went that that is what a man's supposed to look like that is what that's what you know nature intended men are supposed to look like that and I just said I'm going to I want to look like that but I want to fight like Bruce Lee <laughs> I ended up looking like Bruce Lee and fighting like Arnold Schwarzenegger you know, at least I tried <laughs>
0: And you managed to meet Schwarzenegger twice. Yeah, what happened there?
1: Well, the the first time I went to a seminar in Nottingham, and the seminars weren't massive. They weren't, you know, it wasn't that far, even though it was I think it was really early eighties, but I don't think he was. He wasn't that famous then, you know. So it was I think it only cost twenty quid to have an after dinner meal. Oh wow! And and the, there was a long table, and literally I was sat here, and Arnold Schwarzenegger was sat there.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and we we had a talk for a bit, but the first thing I, I, when I come back to the table, my, my ex-wife was still sitting there, and she she when I sat down, she went, "I've told him that you can take all the the, the pictures of him down now. Now you've seen him in real life," <laughs> which was pretty embarrassing. And what was he like in person? Great, really funny. Because when she said that, he just said, "Yeah, take them down, rip them up, throw them in the bin." <laughs> And it, it was just like he is in real life, just really funny and laugh. I, I can remember thinking that his head looked so big, he looked, you know, yeah. his hands. He was a big, a big guy, naturally, a big bone You've guy. You've got
0: big hands. I noticed that right but, away. Not really.
1: I just, I spread them out. I spread them out. I've hammered <laughs> them this morning to make them look big. <laughs> <laughs> so you had bigger hands than yours? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean my, I'm not, my hands aren't big. I mean, I'm only a yeah. small guy, yeah. really. You know what <laughs> I mean? I'm just, I'm just average, you know? you know, just average. There are some people shorter than me, I know. What, know, I know. What made I've you read con- about them? What made you contemplate going into the army? I just wanted I wanted to go in the navy, really. Because I just wanted to see the world. But what happened was my mum and dad are registered communists. And if you're a communist then you had to be registered. So and because of that, I couldn't get in the navy. <laughs> <laughs> but I could get in the army. And we, I sort of, you know, I went through everything. I was going to join. We were literally just about to join me and one of my friends. And I just, the last minute, no, it's going to mess my training up. But obviously, if I'd known anything about special forces, I could do now, because no one had heard of any of that then. If I'd, I would have definitely gone in because I was fit as hell and I could have done that sort of thing. That would have been great. But I didn't, I just thought it would mess my training up. Hmm. You know, it's one of those, but life would have been completely different. You know, I think if I'd done that, I wouldn't have been and such you- a plastic gangster and university
0: is another option did you think about university
1: well my dad wanted me to go to university so i decided to go to do a building construction course uh hated it mm. but while i was in while i was there at, at dinner times i used to go to this gym called brad allen's gym which belong, belonged to a, a guy who was a kung fu master pete his name was and when i was trained there i got talking to him and i used to spar with some of his lads, and I don't, you know, I used to do because I'm quite strong and that. I sort of used to get the better of them, and then one, I don't. One day he just wasn't anywhere happy with it, <laughs> and he said, "Come on, let's do spar with us. We just punched the body." And um he was trying to drop me with body, but he couldn't because I'm, I was. That's one thing my karate instructor used to do. I had, I could take all of the air out of my body, so they could just kick me on as they wanted, and it it would just knock me over. <clears throat> So what he did was he just stamped on my foot and just punched me in the throat and then just smacked me straight and, and like, literally broke the bone in my chest Ooh. and just went not bad for an olden. I mean he was only about thirty five, you know he was about six foot four and eighteen stone, you know. Uh, but he ended up I, I was until he died I was you know we were great mates, you know he, and I loved him to bits.
0: I've had a few cracked ribs and stuff, but how does a broken bone in the chest
1: feel? It hurts because you can do nothing about that either, and I couldn't train. I couldn't train for a bit, which was annoying because you know, I've trained all my life and, I, you know, two weeks is the longest, you know, I don't ever want to wear off.
0: Because I was, like, trying not to sneeze or laugh when I had my ribs. Yeah. Because it's just... Yeah, it's exactly the same, yeah, thing. The you same can't, thing. You
1: can't... You know, and you you know, you yawn, you get that extra breath. I couldn't do yeah. it. Just couldn't get to that. Was it tricky yeah. sleeping as well? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, you run a gym at age 16, 17.
1: Yeah, that was... That was, was that Pete's one? gym. But and I got that job because I went in there one day and he, and Pete was just saying, oh, I had to sack the manager. I said, why? He said, because he nicked 50 pence. And he would admit it. All he had to do was say, yeah, I did. I nicked it. He said, And no, that would have been it. I'd have forgotten it. He said, but he just kept lying and lying. Mm. And, and what he ended up doing was he lined him up at the top of the stairs and just, just knocked him out and knocked him straight Ooh. down the stairs. And then he asked me if I wanted to run the gym. <laughs> that'll do me 20 quid a week thank you (laughs) but you know and this is a joke this we always have because he was the tightest bloke you'll ever meet yeah this was one joke he was like we've got a special deal on pete's got a special deal on buy one actually get one (laughs) (laughs) and he used to toss me for my wages get them or not that was it (laughs) It wasn't double or quits and then one day he found out i'd nicked some money because every time he, he'd done that 20 quid off me, I just, I'm going to nick that 20 quid back. And he rang me up one day and said, uh, Ramsey, somebody's paid 20 quid and I just can't find it anywhere. Do you know what's happened to you? I said, yeah, I, I nicked it. I've had it. And he went, what do you mean you've had it? I said, I've fucking had it and started laughing. <laughs> and he went, fucking hell. He said, no one has ever stolen off me and laughed at me before. <laughs> 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 and we we, 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 ended up, we were really good friends, you know what I mean? So yeah. he, he sort of, the fact that I just admitted it and laughed, you know, that I got away with it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Was the fraud arrest your first arrest with the police? Or did you have arrest before that?
1: Yeah, when I was um, 12, I did a, a day, Yeah, uh, what, what was it? Fight, the um, Boys Brigade Club. And uh, I nicked a crate of Impto, a box of our sixes, and a, <laughs> and a suitcase uh, record player <laughs> <laughs> with one of my mates. But some girl had seen us do it. So she told the police. They had gone to, round to my pal's house. Now, he, he'd had a bit his brothers. He'd got older brothers, so he knew about the police. Just say nothing. I, I'd never... Been confronted by the police before in that way, only being brought home for nicking somebody's bike from school. You know, after again clip round the ear. <clears throat> so they've said um, we know you know it because been round to to Keiths and and he's told us he's told us all about it. You know, you carried the he had the bottle of Vimto, you had the bar sixes. And I thought, well, no one else would know that except him. You know, I fucking can't believe that bastard's grass me up. Of course, myself up, didn't I? <clears throat> so I, I've got three years probation. Three years, years at age 12. Yeah. Wow. We went to the Black Mountains, though. got had some nice holidays. A couple of nice holidays. Used to pay three quid. The yeah. Probation had taken to the Black Mountains in Wales. You know, camping oh, it's to, beautiful. Camp yeah, I love the, the Welsh week. Mountains. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah. been some retreats up
0: there. in the slate. Yeah. Um, was the next police trouble the fraud, or was there more
1: before that? The first prison sentence was was fraud. Well, when I first started working the clubs, I got you'd find credit cards about and stuff. And in them days, you know, it was just one of those things. You know, just there was no electronic stuff. They just clicked it like that. And if if they wanted to ring up, they could just ring up and check up. So if you anything you had over, if you up to twenty five pound, uh, there was no checking. You know, you it was it was guaranteed to pay. So I used to get them cards and to go to London and go in every shop. I take orders first and I go in every shop up. Oxford Street and then and up Kensington High Street as well, and I had somebody with me that would be donkey that carry all my stuff, and then to finish it off I'd go into a record shop because I'm mad for my records. I'm imagining jazz, jazz funk. I, I loved it. You know, I'd listen to that from probably twelve years old as well, and um, I'd go into a shop and say, uh, I get hundred pounds worth of LPs and go, and they go, oh yeah, we'll have to check up. Cause they'd have bagged it and all before I'd make sure they were all bagged. The moment they turned around and went around the back because they used to do the call up <laughs> around, the, I just grabbed the bag and, and ran out the thing, uh, ran out the front door. So that's what I used to do as you know, be spare time. How did you get busted? I, I used one shit on my own doorstep. I used one that had been told had not been reported, so I thought, oh, I can go a bit better. I went and I went to spend 50 quid somewhere and, and, and get a stereo or something, and then. It was taking a long time, and I realised this has been reported, and they uh, sent a, a cop around. I, I, I managed to get out the shop, but they saw me just going mm. around the corner, and I, I got nicked. And, and I got um, I got eighteen months. Or something like that. I think it was eighteen months for that. What was that like? I going- mean, no, you won't even they won't even bother nicking you for fifty quid. Yeah.
0: What was it like going in uh, the prison for the first time?
1: I went into Welford Road. It was a shock because that's a proper Victorian prison. And then there was no, you know, you didn't have toilets. You had, it was slop out and the, you know, and the windows were really high and there was no no glass in them. So the rain came in and it was with three people and you could smoke. So I, I didn't smoke and there was two people in there that were smokers. And, uh, but after a few weeks, you sort of just get used to it. I was doing cell workouts, press ups and stuff. And then I got the opportunity to go to a DCAT Nick. And when they came in and said, "Do you want to go?" I've said, "Not really. I mean, you know, I've settled in it. And the two lads went, "Fucking, you get your fucking ass up there So that's a decat And Open Nick. You get up there, and and it was, a, you know, good Nick to be in. How different was it? Well, totally different because it, it was it was dorms, and you know, they had baths. You could have showers, and you know, there was a big playing field, and and there was lots of work to do as well. You know, there was lots of education, and you could learn how to bricklay and do electrics and. The, the stuff that you actually use in real life you know
0: were you making criminal connections in there? or were you thinking you're going to go on the straight and narrow when you got out
1: no, no i didn't even you know and I, I never i didn't make i did i did actually meet someone who I'm still friends with now in there who was, was a bit of a local bod but um it wasn't the sort of place you meet i, I didn't really think about that to be honest with you, you know, making criminal connections with people, it's that, that you know, you, there were enough of them outside. You didn't need to make any in prison. Yeah. You know.
0: And you'd already done an armed robbery at 17.
1: Yeah. My first armed robbery. Yeah. Um, one of the guys that used to work, um, used to train at the gym, Pete's gym. I used to see him and, I, and when I was working at a club and he'd, he'd come in and he'd spend 40 quid, 50 quid every day. No, which was a lot of money in the seventies. In the yeah. <clears throat> and he never worked because he was always at the gym. And I said to him, what, "What? How come? What do you do? And where do you get your money from?" He went, oh, "I'm a professional criminal." He <laughs> said, "What do you do?" I said, "Those blags, on blags. Why do you want to do one?" I said, "Yeah." <laughs> and then, and he, he had this job going. We went and cased it, and it was like a wages when people used to take the wages, um, collect all the wages. No, actually, this was this. It wasn't wages. Sorry, it was. Um, collections from a haulage company. He used to go and collect the money himself, and then and take it to his factory, and then they used to go to the night safe. So we've done the we've got there. in front of it. There's a great big area that hadn't been built on yet, with all bushes and that. And we just sort of laid in them until they came out. They always came out at this particular time with the, with the case. I've, this is where I learned that you know a stocking. <laughs> you've got a stocking on your face and there's a light pointing at you, you can't see out you can't see a thing it's like just glare <laughs> and i and so you know i've pulled it down and, and i can't see anything so i've had to rip the rip rip holes in the eyes but these guys have come out and i've jumped to get up and he's grabbed me and pulled me down and said no they ain't got the case with them somebody else must have took it we'd sort of just mistimed it mm. but the fact that i just jumped up to do it told him that i'd got the bottle to do it we walked back we sat on it and he was he's thinking i can't understand i'm sure i got the time right." we're sitting it's it's pitch black more or less there's a mound of earth we're sitting on it and then three guys run by ski masks on one with a and off shotgun and one with a baseball bat ran by us obviously onto the same job <laughs> <laughs> and and the lad aren the, the guy that took he he shouted at What the fuck you're and they just turned around and just fired one off. <gasps> Didn't hit us. But that was my first experience of a you know, it was exciting. And, yeah. and and then they've they've ended up having a conversation and we ended up doing it the next week.
0: And the guys that you um that, that shot at you were they like Pally after that?
1: Yeah, he actually he knew one of them. He knew one of he them. He knew one of them, yeah. I so said, look, this is, our, this is our blag.
0: Probably doing future jobs together then. Yeah. So shoplifting, you didn't get caught. Um, we did the, the, the London, ripping off every shop in Kensington. Spending money in Ronnie Scott's nightclub, loving jazz music.
1: Yeah, I used to go to, to Ronnie Scott's, yeah. That's when it was a fiver to get in, you know. You'd go <laughs> upstairs for two quid and see a live band. Wow. You used to see like top jazz funk groups, you know. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd see the Fat Back Band and, you know, people like that. There's real pro- top American jazz funk groups, and you'd say a couple of quid to get in. And I used to like wearing trilbies and raincoats and braces, you know, yeah. white vests and yeah. and uh, Jesus boots with no, you know, Jesus but sandals with no shoes on. <laughs> Things that. <would've>, that <laughs> that would have looked good on camera. <laughs> um, Mr. Fish. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But I'd, I. It, I couldn't dress like that yeah. in, in you know, in Leicester in Obie, but when I went to London, that's mm. that's that's how we dress. And I just, I love, you know, well, we've been to Ronnie Scott's lots of times. We love it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's my it's parents love, love well,
0: jazz, and they fly out to New York, and go all the jazz places in New York. You've been to those kind of places?
1: No, I got, I've, I've been uh, deported from America. I got deported from America.
0: Are You banned as well? Yeah, 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 same yeah. What about them doing the doors, fight situations? Any stories?
1: Yeah, there's plenty of them. I won't bore you with most of them. Um, one the, of the, first, the first night I worked, I'll tell you about the first night I worked because one of the guys was a head doorman at one of the clubs, one of the guys that trained at the gym and he said, do you want to do some door work? And I needed a jacket and trousers. And um, the only jacket I had was an old school blazer. <laughs> <laughs> <I picked> <laughs> it's about 17. I picked the badge mm. off it. <laughs> you can still see the old weather. <laughs> 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 my, my first night, <laughs> that, I had my old school blazer on, and you know, a, a Dicky bow I <laughs> borrowed off somebody. And, um, hey, and, and this tells you about the time, Our times have changed. I'm on that door, the manager's a Scottish guy. The guy that ran, was on the front door was a guy called Rocky Campbell, ex-professional, a big black guy, ex-professional, uh, but still alive he is. <coughs> and um, a Scottish guy came up, and this, this is exactly what he said. He said, okay, uh, Rocky, we're going to be busy tonight, so I want no more than 30 bikes in here tonight. and No fucking, okay. And that was, that was a, and that was a shock to me because my my parents weren't racist in any way whatsoever. My best mate was a black guy and I'd never heard anything like that before. And Rocky just, you know, took no notice of it. And there used to be a separate queue for the black lads. There'd be a queue for everyone else and then a separate queue.
2: Wow. I mean,
1: can you imagine that? What year was that then? That would have been 76, 75, 76.
0: Just before Punk Rock around... Yeah, yeah. What was your hurriest moment as a doorman?
1: It was a doorman, yeah. Blimey, That many. Um, I think well, been I, I went. I helped a mate out in Scotland. I went. Uh, let's say it was a glad to go. Went to a went to a club. I didn't. Nothing happened to me, but it could have done. I'm on the door because they're taking this club over. They want people to be able to chuck people out that that are not wanted in this club. Okay, so they've asked. My pals asked me to come and you know, can you come and front it? Because you know, because we're locals and know where we live. And halfway through the night, a car pulls up. And these three guys in there, and one of them just lean points a shotgun out at me and goes, Yeah, ain't we, man? I said, Yeah, I'm alright, look. And are you here to to stop us getting in I said, I don't know, I'm just here to stop idiots that don't want in. He went, hey, you're a big fucking target, ain't you, boy? And I and and I See, I, I, like to, um, I, I like to have a laugh about stuff. So I thought, I'll, and I started moonwalking. So you won't be able to whip me so easily now when I'm moonwalking.
2: I, moonwalk <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did,
1: the, the guy did laugh, but he, he shot the gun. Boom. And I've just, and I've thought he shot, because obviously the lads were behind me. You know, the other guys, I thought he shot him, shot one of the guys. I've turned around, there's an hole in the door. They've just locked me out. Oh shit! <laughs> the moment they pulled the gun out, they've just they've, they've they've just the moment they turned up, they all went inside and just locked, locked me locked me outside. Wow! So that was a bit a bit <laughs> dangerous.
0: I've just been past this note. Ask you about
1: Joker's Digger. Oh yeah, um, the lovely people Sue and Steve. They Sue and Steve. That's not his name. His name ain't Steve. Ray, sorry, Ray, yeah. Ray and Sue. They for retirement bought a bought a nightclub called Jokers and they wanted to they decided to do it up and redo it and and I recommended one of my mates as a builder. So this is why the whole night was so bloody embarrassing, because I'd recommended these builders and you know what builders are like, two minutes before they've got to open up their opening night, they they'd only just finished. But the spiral staircase between the two floors hadn't arrived. <sighs> So we had to open the back door and the top, the fire doors, and people had to, to get to the t- floor upstairs. They had, to go, they had to go up and down. So I'm not in a good mood about that. <clears throat> and this guy, the, there was a, and this is actually, the pub is actually called the Bricklayer's Arms <laughs> across <laughs> across the way. The, the, the builders had all gone in there and had a booze. The lad the, They'd gone home, got dressed, and come in. You know, the, obviously, they could all. this guy, this Geordie, decided he ain't going to get changed. He just walked across, covered in shit, pissed up, and said, uh, get out of the way! I'm coming in, and I said, "I'm afraid you, you're quite welcome to come in, doc, but just come home and get yourself changed." And he he looked at me and went, "I built this fucking place. I'm coming back. If you don't let me in, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come straight through the front door in a forklift." I went. I thought, "What?" Wow. I'm thinking, you know, the forklifts that you got in supermarkets. Yeah. I was going to be in a super... and, I was, and I said something like, I, I want to let you in because I've already got 15 in there. But if you bring a wheelbarrow, I'll let you in with that. You know, I've just had a laugh with him. <laughs> About 15 minutes later, <laughs> somebody said, hey, I there's somebody in a massive industrial forklift no coming way. the one, wrong way down a one-way road. Because no it was one way and he was going, no cool. and I there <laughs> he fucking is. And he's coming, spinning around and he spins around in front of me and he goes, can I fucking come in now? And I went, I looked at him and I said, no, mate, his shoes are too big.
3: <laughs> and he's just
1: suddenly bounced forward. like, you fucking... And he's bounced forward, I don't think he meant to go so far. He's like clipped because it was all glass. The front was all glass and it's just shattered. The whole thing's just dropped. Fuck. And he's obviously thought, fuck it, I'm going in. And the place is rammed. If he, you know, if he'd got in to kill people and he just put his foot down, but lucky the top of the fork run just caught, the only just caught it. And he's going, Aah. but when he came in, he hit, The front fork hit me straight in the shin. Oh, but and this is physics there was a coconut mat, and I'd got leather soled shoes on, and they just slid. (laughs) And it just pushed me, it just pushed my leg back. So I'm like, ah, you know, this. (laughs) And then he's revving and revving. So I've jumped up, grabbed, pulled him down, boom, hooked him, knocked him out, dropped him on the floor. And like, I am angry. So I've stamped on his head a few times, like it's on fire. There's people screaming and shouting, but the, he would have killed people because it was absolutely rammed. If he got in there, there would have been dead people. So basically, you know, I've, you know I've, I've saved him a lot of hassle. When the police come, there's people trying to get, get the police to nick me.
0: Oh, bastards.
1: But he he did look in a mess. He looked like a, a Picasso-esque uh, interpretation of the elephant man. So he was, he, he was in a bad way. You should have got a medal <laughs> over that. Yeah, and they did. I mean, the police did come back and say, "Oh, you know, if we get enough, if, you know, enough evidence, we might have, to, uh, might have to knit you." I didn't, pre- I didn't make an, because ev- uh, uh, I would point blank refuse to make any witness statements against anyone. I don't give, a, I couldn't care less if, if they shot me, leg off. I ain't going to be responsible for putting someone in prison. I'll get them back my own way if yeah. I have to, if I want to. Yeah. Um. And he got three, three years in the nick. Now I didn't think anything of it. But this is just a little aside. When I came out of prison this time, somebody said to me, there's this girl that hates you because you beat her dad up, got him put in prison, and destroyed our family. And she hates you. And I said, who? I ain't got nobody put in the nick. And, and then he said this Geordie guy and told me what it was. So all these, those years later, you know, 20-odd years later, his daughter, in her mind, I I destroyed her family. You know, and she hated me for that. Wow. I don't know who it is, I didn't I didn't ask, but I just thought, Blimey. You know, how things go on and how, yeah. how things are remembered. Yeah. So in their family, it was just I beat him up and got him nicked for nothing, mm. basically. But i I actually if I hadn't done what I did, he'd have killed people.
0: Yeah.
2: Wow. <laughs>
1: but I've had I've had You know, sort of more closer shaves than that, but not to do with the doors. What was the closest shave? I was dealing in drugs, and uh, it was only cannabis with this guy, and I wanted to. I wanted to pick. I don't know how much, uh, three, four kilo up or something, and he said, "Can you go and pick it up off some pals of mine?" I'll say it was in Birmingham. In Birmingham, or it wasn't Birmingham, but. Uh, I said, okay, do I know them? And he went, no, you don't know them, but they're all right, they're all right. I like, okay. <sighs> so I pulled up at a place, the place where he told me, and there's two young black lads looking shifty as hell, and one of them comes over and, and said, Ramsey. And I'm angry because I thought, what? he shouldn't know my name. Mm. But what's this idiot knowing my name for? And he's speaking in a, in, a, in a fake Jamaican accent, which made me even madder. Uh, and I said, I said, yeah, that's right. I said, what's your what's your name? And he said, do diddly do do squat do do. Some silly street name nonsense, which made me even angrier. And I said, no, what's your real name? He says, that will do. That's all you need to know. <coughs> so I said, I'll tell you what, mate. I'm going to go now because I don't deal with people. I haven't got the manners to tell me the name when they know mine. So I'll see you later, mate. And I'd got a wallet. Didn't have any money in it. It was a wallet on the side. He went to grab it. But the moment I'd seen them, I'd got a a knife in the car with a real nice sharp blade and I'd had it just here. So when he went for that thing, I have just stabbed him straight through his arm. And it's gone gone through his arm here and he's gone, and it's sharp. It's gone like that and it's just gone straight through there and his arm's Mm. just gaped open like that. Mm. And there's just like blood squaring everywhere flying everywhere and then at the corner of me I've seen this kid come running out with a machine pistol and he's just gone Brrr! as quick as that but in my mind it's like you know like the Matrix I, I'm sure I could see all the and, and I'm just waiting for, for something to hit me you know the dash exploded and everything all around me I've put my head down put my boot down and just shot I don't know how I managed, because I weren't looking, but I managed not to hit anything until I got up the road and I, I drove and got in, in went into the fields, pulled the car up, and then the adrenaline started, I started laughing about it. When I took, me, when I took the car, the, he says there's 16 bullet holes in that car, so he Jesus. must have emptied the whole mag. He must have had it on, it was a machine pistol, so it must have been on full, on fully auto, because it you know it went, and there was 15, you know, just pure luck. That was the closest shave.
0: Was there any comeback on that?
1: Yeah, but I can't talk about it.
0: Any other uh, similar close shave stories you've got? That was, I mean, that was brilliant. That one. Yeah.
1: Um, we we're in a nightclub in in Coventry, um, doing a rave because I got involved in the raves and stuff, and we were, we we're doing a, um, a sort of a, an all night thing, and. Um, Some, some, these are Coventry. I don't know if you know Coventry lads, they stick together. I mean, they're fucking nuisance, but they're they're really loyal to each other. They, you know, if if one's in a fight, they're all in a fight, even though you might not get on with them, you've got to admire their loyalty to each other, you know, because Leicester lads ain't like that. (laughs) You know, if they're winning, they're in, if they're losing, (laughs) I'm off. Um, we'd had trouble with these at the raves, these lads before, one of them had had to. It has to be twisted up and, and thrown out, and we had a bit of trouble. And earlier on in the night, this lad came in that we'd had this trouble with, and my pal, John, the way he, we didn't want him in, but the way he did it, it was like, because I don't like to treat people like that. I, you know, I'll reason, I don't care if it takes me half an hour to reason with them. You know, I, I would, I'd rather do that than just get angry straight away, because we were in their town, even though there was a few doormen on. This place had 400 lads who were Coventry lads and, you know, they're going to stick together. His head butted him. So nothing's happened at that particular time, but right at the end of the night, there's a a lad came in. His name's Kev. He's been in that Hard Bastards uh, book and stuff with Kate Cray. Um, You know, I said hello to him. How are you doing? Okay. But obviously, what had happened, they, they were, and there were just loads of men, and there was a really weird atmosphere because one of the lads uh, had gone in and got punched, sort of like snided, punched while he was in there. And we could, I could see something was was going to happen, and they all wanted to, there was congregation out the front, and they and instead of going out the back exits, they all wanted to come out the front. And then all of a sudden, this Kev Houston hit John, who'd had brought to this kid, and I could see John was so, so confident and cocky, you know, tough kid. But this Kev hit him from behind in the jaw, like a sort of a, a Judas him. Just abs- it was such a punch. It would have knocked a mule out, you know what I mean? And he just went bang and it, his head hit the floor back. And then it just went berserk and they had knives and there was spraying. And what, I mean, it, the, it was proper mayhem. I genuinely thought I ain't going to get out of this. Sam was there. She was pregnant with Milo. Uh, she had to go into the toilet because they started spraying CS gas and ammonia. I mean, I've got real bad scars in my eyes here because I got uh, ammonia spread from oh there yeah. straight, in, straight into your my your eyeballs. <clears throat> and I've just suddenly, you get in that mode. i got in a bit of a fight, chinned a few people. I took a knife off this kid and I wanted to get that Kev. That's who I wanted to get with this. Now I thought I'm going to, that bastard before i get done because they had knives and they were you know and i've ended up stabbing somebody else hitting him really hard he sort of got in the way really um, and when he started screaming that he'd been stabbed it scared some of them and it sort of, that sort of held them back a bit there was a bit of a, a, a melee and i just suddenly decided they're all at the front then they're trying to kick the door and again I, I just i don't know what came over me i just thought The lad that had got headbutted by John was stood right at the front. And I just I had to open the door. I said, don't worry, I'm going to let you in. Because what I thought was, I'm going to let him in and I'm going to stab him. But but I genuinely thought, there's no way I'm going to get out of this. But somehow, it just, uh, it it got broken up. And I think because the spray, all the ammonia and and the CS gas sort of dispersed them as well. But outside... It was all on the news as well. It was going on. That, um, they outside the tip, cop cars over. There was hundreds of them outside, and there must have been 50, 60 lads from from Leicester who all thought they were tough kids. You know, thought they were you know football hooligans, the members of the Baby Squad and stuff that thought they were tough kids. Not wanting to see one of them, and I went in the back room after after it had been cleared, and then the police had got there, and they're all stood in there like that, and so. I don't know what made me do it, but I just said, Okay. So you you we ain't having this fucker. So let's it was a kitchen. I so said, let's go and get let's I said, just six of you, come six of you. Let's get knives go out there and just stab as many of them bastards as you Jesus fucking can. <clears throat> and um none of them would. They all went just shit themselves. Yeah. So I weren't going out on my own, right? You know what I mean? At least I wanted to last a few minutes. <laughs> so how
0: many so, Oh come.
1: Yeah, and that. And, and the the lad that had got, you know, Father John that had got hit, he sort of literally woke up then. Yeah. Not, didn't know what happened. You know <laughs> what I mean? Did I win? <laughs> so how many of
0: these confrontations have escalated into like warfare with like massive amounts of people?
1: Well, quite a few. It quite happens, a few. It happens, you, quite yeah, it yeah. happens quite often, yeah. It happens quite often. Yeah, it used to then <laughs> yeah. in them days. It used to happen a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not like now. I and mean, people say, oh, it's much more. It's not. you got in fights all the time, but people would have a fight, mm. like men, walk outside, have a fight, you know, and put their hands around each other and and just. Tribalism. You know, yeah, and, and just, they'd have a fight. And, and the, whoever, you know, they'd come back in, you let them clean up. Yeah, you because know, there's some places you couldn't buy everybody if they fought, because there'd been nobody in there that it was their place. They came every week. And, and if you just, every time they had a fight or every time you're you going to fight with them, barred them, there'd be no one left, you know, and you need to, you know, the club needs to take money so they could pay you. All but,
0: right. So your injuries then you've got this thing with the eye you just mentioned. What other injuries have you? No, seen? Just... I've,
1: I've been, I've been pretty lucky really. I've not, I've, you know, I've got away with, I've not come out of things. How did I not get hurt during that? Uh. When I was about 17, I, I, a kid mugged me for my wimpy burger. Oh, shit. And I, when he, I thought he was joking. It was a young African lad. Almost, I don't know how old I was, 17 maybe. And I'm eating a wimpy. and this kid comes up and goes, Gi- give me the bun. I said, no, you're not having me fucking bun. He went, give me your bun or so I'll stab you. He went, and I didn't know I didn't see that he had a knife on him. <laughs> and I just I said you're not having me fucking wimpy, you prick. And he and he just went to stab me, but I got my hand in the way, and it went through me hand and, and into my stomach. For fucking wimpy. And uh, and what I did I swung away from him like that and chinned him, and he ran off because the knife had stuck, it had got caught in my hand. And I just thought shit, what what if I'd had a steak sandwich? Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> It'd just, it'd just double tapped me in the head, wouldn't you know? <laughs> From <laughs> bum, bum, you know. It's <laughs> so, fucking wimpy. Must have
0: been bloody hungry.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was a really fucking surreal thing, you know, yeah. I mean, just to say it, you know, you tried to mug me for me wimpy.
0: So how did it escalate then from going into um, the drug dealing scene from robberies?
1: Well, it just sort of all happened because when you're in that world, it's it's what you do. I mean, a lot of people didn't realise that that I was involved in doing armed robberies and things. Um,
0: Does that mean you left the armed robbery stuff behind when you once you got into the drugs?
1: No, no, we still did that, but I can't talk about any of that. Yeah, yeah,
0: There's of no, course. You know, you were accused of being involved in hot dog murders. What was that about?
1: There was um, a guy that that did hot dog concessions. His name, his name was Gary. Um, he used to. Supply, you know, you know, uh, mobile food things, uh, concessions to the, the great big uh, music festivals and things. So he, you know, he could take 100, 150000 fifty thousand pound in a weekend. Wow. Which was all cash. Nice. And and he was robbed. <clears throat> uh, and what happened? One of the people involved shot. Two of them, sort of, just executed to them. You know, I don't. It wasn't. I don't think it was necessary. But um, when it happened, the, the guys, the guys eventually got nicked for it, actually used to work for me. Well, they did work for me. One of them used to work for me, sort of on and off, and, and the other two did. So I've, when it happened, somebody came up to me and said, "The police visited me, you know, said, and they reckon that you, you killed that, that guy." Hot dog man, you killed him. What? what so that I killed him. Said, yeah, they're, they're telling everyone that they're interviewing that you you did it. So we ended up all getting arrested twice, and then I get I, there was no charges on me because first of all, I I did it. Then they wanted to say, I arranged it. Then they want to say, I supplied the gun. And then they s- said, I supplied the packed lunch. You know, it was, he just kept going down and down. And he must've supplied something. Conspiracy. Yeah. you know The conspiracy thing. Yeah. And, um, the guys got done for it. And, but the guy that was the driver, he went QE against them and I, I it all got embroiled in that what happened was there was a guy called, and I'll name this prick, his name is, it was a police informer. And if anyone fucking wants to contradict that i've got his fucking interview tapes you know at home so he's he's a fucking grass he decided to become agent provocateur with the police to try to rile me into saying something that could probably get me in trouble and this went on for ages he's ringing the house and he put there was posters for the murders that they were putting out. So uh, who, you know, does anyone know what's, you know, who murdered this guy? And he doctored them and just put Ramsey uh, killed Gary Thompson and, they, and and put them up all over the place. Um, and it, I think what it was, he he should have been with Gary that night and he thought he got in his twist because he was on drugs and everything. He got he decided in his own mind, and he, he also did, was a hot dog man as well, that, I, that it was a hit on him and and this this Gary and um he just got that into his head and he thought if he made enough noise around it I won't be able to get him because he thought I was going to get him but he I mean he I did terrorize him a bit because but I didn't do anything about it because he didn't scare me I knew he wasn't a danger to me in, you know, as a person, otherwise I would have had to have done something about it. But I mean, he made some serious threats and, you know, you yeah, know, the police said that there were people wanted to, you know, kill me and stuff. And mm.
0: But you, but you did end up getting busted and that was for having guns and drugs in the house. How did that arrest come about?
1: Um, it, it was, Sam actually got arrested and, um, she got stitched up by a friends. Um, uh, Boyfriend, he asked if if she could get him a, a bit of whiz mm. and um, I always had little bits of whiz, you know because I was doing the raves and doing the doors and at an you know an all night nightclub and I you'd text off off people and I just had bits of my pocket. She just thought she was doing him a favour and he grasped her up. Oh, that's wild. So they could, so they could uh, really so get to the house. Uh, there was no drugs or anything in there. Only those little bits. there's a little bit of acid in there, but nothing end of consequence, but I had a gun, a loaded gun and a, and a loaded shotgun. Shotgun, I had a license for it, but the gun I didn't. And the reason I had it in the house, because the police had been to me twice and told me that there was a hit out on me. And, and they actually said, you need, you know, you, you need to have something in the house to protect yourself because it's a serious threat that you're going to get shot. And that's why I had the gun in the house. And then I got five years for that.
0: And did they tell you the motive for the hit out on you? no no what was it like doing that time could have in, been many
1: people to be honest really.
0: really what was it like doing that time in HMP Stockton?
1: Stockton was quite it was it was different then you could spend as much money as you wanted um that you know it's when the first first gave us TVs as well when they'd first done that um and I pretended that I had a a drug problem, so I could get on this thing called the Genesis course, and you got special visits and you know, family visits and everything. and Sam used to turn up with a with, with bring Milo in there, the, my youngest lad you used to bring him in the in trolley. The and, and, the, and the thing was, they'd trust you. I mean, this is how naive they were, <laughs> uh, and that you, you know, they wouldn't search them. So Sam used to bring all sorts of stuff, bags <laughs> full of booze and, and, and all the things. Mm. Uh, so that was that was good fun. And I had some real good trips while I was in there. And there was um, there was a guy who's been in the cell next to us and what we used to do, because there, there was like, two of the windows were closer together and the other ones would be further apart. So you could actually touch each other's hands mm. in the cells on one of the wings.
0: Past things. And
1: we got a stereo that, you know, you could have, plug headphones in and a mic. And and I got him one as well. And what we used to do is we'd plug them in. So I'd have headphones into his and he'd have headphones into mine. And we'd talk, we'd know all night, we'd go have a trip, get totally off our heads and just put the headphones on. <laughs> and it'd be like you're talking to yourself. It'd be a real, a real weird, surreal <laughs> thing. And you'd become really honest, you know what <laughs> I mean? And and he was like pretty mental, this kid. And and he had a really abusive childhood and he used to get really, it was like a, a therapy session for him. That was good funny. I mean, the thing is you wouldn't, you would not do that in normal life, do you know what I mean? Where would you, <laughs> in any other circumstance, you know, <laughs> put headphones and a microphone and I talk to somebody all night off your head, you just wouldn't do it. So, you, you know, you get to do these sorts of things. I also, when I was in there, I, I got a, um, a video camera. I borrowed a video camera and said, oh, well, I'm going to do a video camera that you can show to kids, you know, tell them that you can't, you know, that you, you, know, you don't want to come to prison, you don't want to be doing, living the life I've had to live and look what's happened to me. But what I really wanted to do was just get, Videos of, of myself and in the prison, and like so, I've got I've got about six hours of, of video from inside prison with, with me rolling a uh, making a pipe out of um, a baking tray. Wow! You know, you know, you have pies in making one of them, yeah. And like, not and like smoking that; and it's on the video, and a picture of some of the screws and that as well. And, and uh, Sam <clears throat> so smuggled that out.
0: Have you got any of that footage available on 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 a computer file that we could put into this video, perhaps? Just to show an example of that.
1: Yeah, I've got i I've got it to tell me, yeah. yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. So
0: all right, you've had this like the police are telling you there's a hit out on you. So you've got all these enemies in the criminal community, now you're in prison. You, well, not
1: all of them, and they got on well. I didn't rip people off. It's yeah. just that people it was it's jealousy more that more than anything that caused it, or you know, someone, you know, getting thumped who deserved it. I wasn't I, you know, very honest when it comes to pay, very honorable pay and very honourable about paying. I've got a thing. If I owe people money, I can't Stop thinking about it. Every time I see him, it's like wanker. You are him money, so I have to. I'd, you know, I'm very honourable like that. And, and most people were, to be honest with you, them days. You know, people would lay hundred k on you, you know. And you, especially when you've sold it, you, you can imagine that now.
0: Yeah.
1: They kill of your whole family once they got it. You know what eh? I mean?
0: One of Escobar's favourite quotes was, um, "Envy kills more people in Colombia than cancer." Yeah. Yeah. So you do have some enemies. You're in the prison system. Did anyone try anything on you in the prison system?
1: No. You didn't have any problems in the prison system? No. That was the first, that was the five year that I got, that, the one you're talking about, the, yeah. um, the, the, the guns. The, the, that, but I got the, the bigger one later on. It's That's um, that's what we're going
0: go, yeah. to go over to next. So this is conspiracy to murder and drug dealing, 19 years plus 4.5 years proceeds of crime.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I, I was arrested for conspiracy to murder, but that, that got dropped. Because it was very spurious sort of charge, they used that to be able to arrest me the way they did. Because I've been arrested for, you know, serious armed robberies and, and you know, and let's like say double murder, and they'd never kick my door in or, or anything like that. They'd never, I'd never seen an armed copper because they sort of knew that I'm not like I don't hold no goods for the police. They've got to do a job. I know the benters for. You know, I know they're, they're corrupt to the core, but you know they're a gang, and they've got a job to do, and that's their job. And you play your game; they play their game, and they're usually better at it. You know, and you you got to you got to swallow that. So I didn't have a an issue with that. But I'm driving to work about eight about ten o'clock, not to work to the gym. There's a row of cop cars, and I'm looking. I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of cop cars. What are they doing there? And I looked at the road. I could see a van. And this is exactly what I thought. Someone's been a naughty boy as I'm driving by. So and I've looked, and then as I've driven by, they've just followed me. I thought, shit, me, here we go. Life is about to change forever, and. um, and it's funny because the day before, I've been on my chopper driving around and actually saying to myself, laughing and saying, "Wow, you're a lucky bastard. You've got what a good life you've got." I oh. actually think, and I don't, you know, it's not something that comes to my mind, but just the day before, it was like someone saying, "Look at the great life you got. Get ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it ain't gonna last much longer." And they and I got in it and they s- surrounded the car, told me to get out, and wanted me to get on the floor, but I refused to get on the floor, so and they kept saying get on the fucking floor put the fucking handcuffs on get on the floor so you can stick your, your you know can stick your knee in the back of my head which is normal procedure by the way you know oh contrary to uh, George Floyd nonsense that's what they do all the time they're trained to do it because you control a man's head you control the body it's the only way you control a big bloke you to keep their head down and they can't, they can't get themselves up off the floor it's normal procedure um, and I didn't want that because it fucking hurts ouch you know so and then i'm on my way to prison um and that they can and they've said conspiracy to murder and i've gone well who what are you on about and they come, it took me a bit of time to find out who it was and i would never heard of him. Mm-hmm. never heard of who it was mm-hmm. when i got to the police station it was the, the drug conspiracy and they'd been onto someone else my name had come up and i just got dragged into it and, and then they they ended up sort of like Stitching, you know, I was so far down the, the pecking order, they wouldn't even give me a, a QC. They said, no, you're, you're not entitled to a QC. You're too far down. Next time I went to court, my name's at the top. And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm at the top of the, the list. They're just, and, and even though it means nothing where they put you, it it does mean something. And especially to a jury. You know, if you're at the top of the indictment, you, you know, they consider you're the main man. Yeah. And then they split us all up and gave us, you know, some of them went uh, guilty. And uh, and I ended up getting the guy that they said was my courier got not guilty. So I mean, how if he's you know I'll, he was my courier, he got not guilty, yet I'm guilty. So well, I must have been. They must have thought I was guilty of talking about it because you know how the judge explains, you know, conspiracy. They only have to be talked about. They, only have to, they don't have to do anything. You you tell a jury that, then, you know, and there's something where that, that when they have shown that you might be talking about drugs, because that's all it is. If I said to him, would not do us a favour, could you pick me shirt up from the uh, from the dry cleaners for me?" They'll have an expert that says, "This is a well-known phrase in Leicester. This means pick me up ten kilos of cocaine." When they say pick me shirt up, it, that you know, you know what they like. That's that's what they do. And when you're in when you're in front of a jury, you're in court. By definition, you've been caught, Uh, you know, and the reasonable doubt doesn't mean anything. It is, well, you know, the police wouldn't, whether there's evidence or not against him, the police wouldn't waste the time if they didn't know something that we don't, which is what they always like them to think, which is why they don't use the phone calls in this country because they they love conspiracy because it's the only thing, because on me, if they haven't been a conspiracy judge, they're going to charge me anything. So they use the conspiracy To get you in prison, and then they don't allow you to. They don't use the phone calls; they just do the phone traffic, because if they use the phone calls, they have to take all the phone calls out that were just that weren't that weren't criminally related. So they say fifty phone calls. When it got down to ones that it could be put down to crime, be one phone call, and all of a sudden, one phone call ain't such a conspiracy. So in this country, it really helps them with the conspiracy charge to not be able to to not be allowed to use. The, you know the uh, the evidence from a phone tap. That they love it in this country because they can just make inferences. You know, mm-hmm. they rang each other fifty times. Why? Have you ever rang one of your friends fifty times? You know, you, but what I didn't realise is they actually committed a an offence against REPA, You know, regular you know the Regulation of Investigatory Powers Act, which stops them using anything. you can't even suggest there's a, there's a f- wiretap. They actually gave us their computer. The printouts they gave us weren't from service providers; they were from their their computers, which is a criminal offence. So, but the judge made a ruling. We had a we had an expert to say that they they did have a bug, that exposed it to us because the recordings of the of the kid that they were nicking, they got all of their all, all of the recordings, and there was they could hear the police talking on them. On it was supposed to be a bug in his car, yet you can hear police, the police talking, doors shutting, cupboards opening. Uh, which proved that they were they were obviously in a listening room, so we had an expert. The judge made a ruling that the law prohibited that expert to point out that he would broken the law, lo- that the police had broken the law, which technically made our you know, that sh- should have made our
2: mm.
1: our trial uh, void. But of course, the judge ruled it, and, and we've never been able to get to it since, because even the appeal court refused refused point blank to even talk about it. Because the moment they talk about it, they've admitted that they've mentioned it, and you can't even mention it, else the evidence has got to go. But I didn't know any of this. My barristers just stitched me right up. They knew. All they did was pretend that they couldn't mention it. Oh, no, if we bring it up, we'll get arrested. Mm. So basically, the police committed a criminal offence. My expert could not point that out, because if he did, then he'd be committing a criminal offence. Under the same act, they committed the criminal offence. I mean, I don't know if anyone's interested in that. But, you know, well, I yeah, Because I had answer, a conspiracy
0: you know? case as well. It was a wiretap case, over 100 co-defendants, ten thousand calls. But well, that was in America, so it seems it's a bit different here. But well, like you can talking,
1: you can use that evidence in America. They used it, yeah. That yeah. was
0: the main evidence. Yeah. Well, if,
1: if in that in that with me, because I actually wasn't involved in that conspiracy. I've been involved in loads of drug conspiracies. Mm. I wasn't actually involved in that conspiracy. I knew the people involved. I with the guy that. Uh, the the co, my co-defendant, the, the main guy, the one that they had the, the operation on, I bought watches off him and uh, <clears throat> and I lent him some money. They know that because they were listening, so they they knew, and so really they should have accepted that, but they didn't because they want the jury to just get the inferences. You know, they wanted to think that any money that he gave me was was drug related. But look, I've, I've been a criminal, you know yourself. You you know you've done plenty of crime. Yeah, you, you know, I took this as just like paying your credit card off. You know, I took it as part of the. That's the life I lived. I chose to be a career criminal. This is what happens, and I take it, and I don't hold no grudges, and I didn't. I didn't hold any grudges. That's exactly the... T- take it. You take it like a man. You know, when I, was, I first got arrested, get out of it.
0: I'd, I'd um, quit the trafficking a year before importing ecstasy. And um, so when they caught me, there was nothing at the house and I thought they'd got nothing on me. But then they'd they give me this conspiracy charge. But the wiretap had only come about since I'd quit. So people who used to work for me. were still using my name and they were buying drugs off other suppliers. But the prosecutor had given the impression that this was my continuing criminal enterprise and all the suppliers were on those calls, but they left all that out. So I, I'm thinking, right, you know, I'm going to get off here. But then you realize, you know, you've done all this. You've got to pay the price and you have to accept your karma cheerfully and just get on with doing your time because That's right. it's just like paying taxes, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, and you can do things in prison that you, you ain't got the time to do. know, I love to read. I love philosophy. Uh, you know, I enjoy painting, like writing and, and poetry. And you know, I love that sort of stuff. But you just don't get the time to do it. You know, well, in there we'd have philosophy classes and there'd be, you know, 15 people like you know every sort of crime you can think of all sitting down talking you know hegel or you know yeah. talking a bit about kant or some you know something okay oh, you know I, remember. Kant. <laughs> I tried to read the critique
0: <laughs> the critique of pure yeah, reason i know i, I ended like, up just throwing it against the wall every year i go back to it, am yeah. i smart enough to understand what, what,
1: oh, what you've got to do with what he does <laughs> is something he can say in a, in a sentence He's got so much going in his head. He, he uses he's a chapter and, and ten thousand words to say what can and be half said. Half of it, it's Latin. What can be said in it? In yeah, I mean, he. That was. To he, I think that was just. It was just showing off. But you know, but there are some snippets in there that are just absolutely fantastic. But it's like I enjoy physics. You know, I really enjoy the philosophy of physics. I don't understand the, the language of it, the mathematics, but the philosophy of philosophy of it is just really, really intriguing to me. You know. I, didn't, well, I wouldn't have been interested at school, but, you know, when you start reading books and you think, wow, I'd love to have sat in this conversation and listened to these guys <laughs> talking, you know, <laughs> about the nature of reality, you know, yeah. which is which is something that you don't get the time to really talk about. How often do you get to talk with people and just have no other thing to do but just talk to that person about the nature of reality and what it's all about? And and it opens your mind, up, especially if you've had some, a bit of acid and DMT and things like that. It, that that opens your mind. It really does. It just makes... <clears throat> everything possible. You think if someone can imagine it, if you can imagine it, then it's got to be able to exist somewhere. But she won't be able to imagine it because we don't have original thoughts. Every thought we have is <laughs> already in the universe and we just pick up on it and and spout it. Parrot like pick it up like a signal and we say it. And that and it exists. No matter how abortion it is, how wonderful it is, how ridiculous it is, it exists because we were able to think about it and imagine it, because it ain't us imagining it, whatever we want to think. It's all there, and we're just picking it up. We're just receiving this knowledge. I had a similar thing happen to me then, because the last book I'd read before I got arrested
0: was um, required reading in high school, was To Kill a Mockingbird. I did read some finance books, but other than that, so I did, I started getting into the philosophy and psychology, and I really liked the Stoics, because... Stoics, yeah. Yeah, if you're in a cell, yeah, that, that's, you've not got but, much.
1: Yeah, that's right. That That is my that is how I am. I'm very stoical. Yeah. And, and, and the way you took your prison sentence, mm. you, you are a stoical person, you can tell.
0: So Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, Marcus Aurelius. Um, yeah, Meditations. Teta- yeah, Medi- yeah. Oh,
1: Meditations
0: is yeah. one of my all-time faves. Yeah. Read that a few times. Fantastic. Epictetus. Yeah. And um, I got into Nietzsche as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Nietzsche done some good stuff. He just got yeah. ruined by the fact that, you know, the, the Nazis liked him. Exactly. But, but he had, he said some great stuff, I and mean, it really makes sense, a lot of the stuff he says, you know.
0: A lot of people have never heard of Nietzsche, but it's in like rap music. That yeah. that does not kill us, makes
2: us yeah. stronger. Yeah.
1: yeah, people don't know where that came yeah. from. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah.
0: What other uh, philosophers did you study then?
1: Well, we, what we used to do is we'd, we'd arrange, one of us had uh, decided to pick a, a philosophy, you know, existentialism, or something, and then just write about it, or or a, or a religion. Get all the information we could, because and you, you had to get it off the prison computers, which is a closed cons- closed system. But you got everything you could, and then you'd read it to the to everyone. You'd read it out, and then we'd discuss what we all thought it meant. So I didn't necessarily get hooked onto one thing in particular. It was just the whole idea of accepting all sorts, because when I first started doing it, uh, anyone said something that disagreed with me, I, I, you know, I, I didn't want to hear it. <laughs> so it took a bit of time for me to, to just listen and accept. Okay, I'll accept his point of view. You know, like someone, you know, it, they the talking, they're doing chemistry degree in prison, yet they think the world, you know, was made by God 6,000 years ago. Those sorts of things I just didn't have time for, but I then just go, well, he needs to believe that because that's his faith. He needs to believe it. And there was, there was a bodybuilder in there, a real strong guy that was born again, Christian. And I, I asked him that, I said, you yeah, know, you're, you believe in the Bible. And i said, so do you believe that the world was created 6,000 years ago? And he, he, said, I, I, and he said, I have to believe it. Wow. So I believe it. And I thought, good answer <laughs> because that's all, you know, that, it, he needed it. He needed the faith. So he needed to believe everything else because if he didn't believe it, then it, it wouldn't feed his need.
2: Yeah.
0: And there is a need for some people who have like really big sentences. I've seen them lean on the Bible to like get through that yeah, depression and suicidal people. thoughts.
1: It helps. Yeah and, yeah. and you can't knock it. It doesn't matter what the motives were. It doesn't it doesn't even matter if they're doing it because they want to try and, and and you know, get get their um get down to a C cat or a D cat and get to a D. The motives are not really. They'll, they'll still get something out of it. it. It's what they get out of it, and and the, there is some great things in the Bible. Uh, you know, it's not the the most imaginative story, but there's some. But it's it's about human the human condition isn't it. It's the human condition and 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 the basic moral um, structure of, of humanity, and it's it's not really changed for thousands of years. I've got a great quote in the gym by jo- Joseph Proudhon. And he died about 150 odd years ago. And it's all about, and if you read it, it's exactly what's happening in the world now with this new world order. It's just everything about government. It's just, <laughs> it's an absolute fantastic mm. quote. And it means so much. And I've had it up there for the last <clears throat> eight years we had the gym. It's been up on that wall, you know, and people have commented on it. And, and so you read that, mm-hmm. and then you look, and you know, they're saying, oh, And then I said, look, look when it was, the guy died in 1865. You know, it's like, it hasn't changed. You know, government hasn't changed. The human condition hasn't changed.
0: Yeah, human nature stays the it's same. It's just the it? environment has changed. Yeah, That's always changed. changed.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's happened is we no longer evolve. Technology invo- evolves. We have begun to devolve. <laughs> I mean, look at kids. You, you ask them something, they Google it. You can ask them the same question the next day after Google it again. They don't know that anyone's phone number. We know hundreds, hundreds and hundreds I remember of that, numbers. yeah. At school... <laughs> We knew, you know, oh, I'll, I'll ring you on, we knew the phone number of all the phone boxes within a 10 mile radius. <laughs> and we knew from the last three figures and we'd say, uh, so I'll ring you at two o'clock on 352. That, you knew all the numbers, <laughs> you know, and now they don't know anything. It's like they've got all that knowledge at the fingertips, yet it's, it's, it is in the fingertips, it's not in their head. And, and it's dumbed people down and, and they're ripe for the picking.
0: And they can't split the umbilical cord. They're just on the device all day long, yeah, aren't
1: they? Yeah, I know. Like, it's, 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 if they lose was, the phone, like, oh. Yeah, well, I, I went to prison. Where's my phone gone? Where's Exactly. I went to prison in 2002, and, and when I came out, I mean, people were saying, oh, you see people on the phones. they walking what year, around did you get like out? that. And I said, what? Walking around like that? I said, yeah. And, and that was, because when I went to prison, you, the, you could only text. There was no photo. You couldn't even take a photo on a phone. All it was was text, and then I come out, and you've got handheld computers. I hadn't even switched a computer on when I went to prison, but I, i learned all that because I, I enjoy art. So I thought i will do a Photoshop course and while doing that, I learned how to use a computer, uh, and I, I understood it when I got out, but otherwise I don't want to have a clue what this, you know, what this is about. It's, uh, I went in in 2002 as well.
0: Did you? What year did you get out? Um, 2000,
1: was it 13? 2012,
0: 2012 I got in yes. 2007 and um because of my uh criminal I remember, activity I missed you
1: I missed you when you left
0: because <laughs> <laughs> of my criminal activity I wasn't I, I like banned phones and I used, only use pay phones so I, was, I wasn't text I didn't know what texting was I just used pages so there's a, a video yeah, of me at, at Gatwick and my sisters like I've just been released my sister's showing me texting and explaining what texting is yeah, that's on the channel if anyone wants to see it. Um, Sean Atwood release. Is it Heathrow or Gatwick, I can't remember. Um, all right, so one of the big questions in philosophy then is what is the meaning of life? And that can be interpreted in many ways. What, what? How would you respond to that from your studies of philosophy?
1: I think most people want to be happy. And that's basically what it is. I mean, there's an old Scottish friend of mine who used to go, he go, we're here for a, Fucking good time, knee for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that just summed it up, you know, sort of perfect. And that's right. It's, you, you, you know, you want, everybody wants to be happy and content. And, you know, if they can pay the bills, I mean, I found that out. You know I've had lots of money. You know, now I've not got any money, but it's a state of mind. Everything is just a state of mind. I choose to be happy. You know, when I choose to smile at people, if someone says, How are you? I say, Fantastic. And i go, fucking incredible. And people will go, why, what happened? Uh, it's, I woke up this morning, I looked in the mirror, and I'm still me, you know, fucking fantastic. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's good to be me. It's, it's, it's just, you, you know, and it, it makes people laugh and it cheers you up. Just saying words, say happy words, say positive words. And th- it's a state of mind. If you're a state of mind, if you're calm, it doesn't matter what else you've got, you don't need anything else. As long as you've got a bit of food in your belly, you've got good friends, there's nothing better. An old Hungarian pal of mine, George, years ago when I was a teenager, he used to – he was a guy that I met in – you know, he's one of these crazy characters. He's one of the guys in the gym. He would always mess around in the gym. He'd dance like a fool and he used to be – it was a fantastic opera singer. He used to really sing loud. Opera. He's still a friend now. He's still alive now. We still see him. We go and we still go and have meals with him. He was having meals with his two or three Hungarian mates every dinner time bottle of wine, he'd cook food. And I, I I one day I walked through and I went, I am fucking old George. I said, get a fucking life, man. What's up with you? Fucking sit every day sitting. anyway he went, and he went, oh you're laughing, yes? I said, let, let me tell you something. Nothing in life is better than good friends, good company, good food and good wine. Nothing you will learn this one day. You think you're laughing at me? Uh, we're fucking laughing at you
0: <laughs>
1: and I never forgot it and it was fucking <laughs> <laughs> and it was fucking It was spot on yeah, yeah, yeah it's a funny guy I mean those characters where are they where are these nutty characters There used to be a big character called Paul Williams Darky Williams he was a mixed race kid I Never used to call him Darkie and he, he didn't mind it you know he didn't try to sue you he came into the gym the first time I ever met him was when I was first started working in the gym he came in um uh, And he said, hello. I said, here mate. He said, "Um, I'm a friend of Pete's. I don't have to pay. I said, are you sure? He said, no, I don't have to pay. I said, well, what I'll do is, what's your name? I'll put his name, and I'll tell Pete when he comes in. He goes into the gym, and I I can hear this, like a coconut hitting the floor. Bump. You know, it's like, and then a bump, and a a bump. I thought, what? I went in there. He's, you know, you've seen clapping press ups, didn't you? Yes. This is him press up, vump, bump, and just landed on his forehead. Bump, 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 bump. And it, and oh, I got talking to him after, and he started. I said something. I don't know what he was talking mm-hmm. about. I said something about his wife, because and, and, uh, uh, he, he said he, he doesn't work, he just does a little bit of welding. And I said, "Does your wife work?" And he went, "He went, oh yeah, she works." I laughed and then he just fucking went serious as fucking went, you fucking laughing at my missus. <laughs> and I'd never, I'd never seen anyone react, I'd never seen that sort of thing, you know, I'd never met these crazy people. And, and I, I've gone, no, I fucking ain't you, idiot. You are just fucking, you'd cracked a joke. I fucking laughed. Then he started laughing. He says, you ain't scared of me here. Eh? And I said, no, I said, you fucking should be. But then we got on great. we ended up being really good mates. And, he, and this was one of his things. He would start. He loved Nat King Cole, and he used to sing Nat King Cole. It was "If I Fall in Love," and then headbutt you. That was one of his tricks. (laughs) If he started singing, he'd go hang about. He'd start singing to someone, and he'd he'd headbutt them. He'd mesmerise them with because he was a good singer, and then headbutt them. And he used to go into a pub with a forty-five revolver, spin it on the on the desk, and then he'd say, "Anybody that can do more press-ups than me can fucking shoot me with that gun." If it was one of his party tricks. Of course, nobody ever beat him because no one wanted to. He used to like to scare people. He hated people that were scared. and That's what I found out. That's why he liked me because I I weren't scared of him. Because I think in his psychology, when he was a kid, he was scared a lot. Intimidated and he felt ashamed of it. So whenever anyone else like he felt that he saw himself in them and he fucking hated them because he'd go out of his when he was sober he was not great, but once he'd had a booze, it was look for someone to, 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 to scare, and if they scared, then he wanted to hurt them because mm. it reminded him of himself. Mm. I mean it might be you know that's what I said for me that's what I saw in him, yeah, but I got on great with him. He used to go into places and the, and, and cause riot in there, and they no one would dare get him out. And he used to say to them ring ramsey up tell him to come in here have a drink with me and then i'll, I'll leave if he comes in and has a drink with me <laughs> so i used to have to do that but it got me a couple of doors you know got me got, got me work <laughs> yeah, so, so got character
0: you you radiate happiness ramsey
3: thank
1: you so much <laughs> <for me. laughs> so I, I do try to radiate it <laughs> be happy
0: people be happy So we bring you life lessons and Stoic philosophy today.
1: Well, it's only fair.
0: (laughs) I did um, a TED talk on happiness, so if you want to check that out, viewers, it is online. What facing 200 years taught me about happiness. All right. The day you were sentenced to 19 years, were you smiling like you've been smiling all day today?
1: Yeah, some was there. This is this is what it was. Earlier on, in that week, I'd seen a kid get 21 years.
2: Mm.
1: For robbery, uh, a young black lad, and he and he come down and he was smiling, and walked by. And I thought, shit, he took that well. He took that well, but then I understood his. I understood him when I got it because I looked up at Sam when I got it. I went and I just went, fuck him out. <laughs> 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 and then went down the bat, and I seen <clears throat> Ross who was the coder the, the main guy that they were after he'd got 16 years <clears throat> and then I said to him I was smiling he went what happened what did you get I told him and, it, and he burst out laughing and it's funny it's, a, it's like a sudden acceptance you know it's like that thing you know like there are certain animals when they know they're going to die they go and they just find that disinterested, calm and it's 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 that. I mean, I felt that in situations where I just knew I was going to. It was over for me. Uh, it wasn't, but in my mind, it was. And it's a real w- weird, peaceful feeling you get—acceptance that you you, you you know that you've you know you've done your shift.
0: Are there any of those situations you're referring to that you've not told us about today that you could tell us about? Not really. Sam's got. You can shout up. You're all right. Uh,
1: or about the
3: one
1: where you were driving back to Leicester one night. Which one? And they pulled you
2: up. Oh yeah, I can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, Sam. Thanks, thanks. <laughs>
0: Do you have any notable stories then, funny or scary, from that last sentence when you're in prison?
1: Funny story. Yeah, we we're in the gym. Um, I was doing, I was doing press ups. I don't, I, I broke my arm when I was in prison, it, it took him a year to get me to hospital. How? Um, i picked picking up a sixty kilo uh, dumbbells, and I, what I do, I just throw them up and, and like lay down to do, uh, to do some presses. And it went too far and I just felt it like bang my arm. And I thought, I thought it had just strained it, but what it had done is cracked them. it had cracked the bone sort of long ways. <clears throat> and I didn't know that had happened, but I was supposed to go to the hospital and it, it took them a year because they kept cancelling it. They cancelled it because I still had my proceeds of crime outstanding. It didn't need to be outstanding. They took 16 years to get to it. It should have been, the judge told them to deal with it in, in 12 months. It was 16 years before the bloody dealt with it. Uh, so they used that every time I'd so I didn't get a DCAT, I didn't get any home visits, didn't get any rotten, I got nothing. And whenever I had to go to the hospital, I, I they had to I had to be double handcuffed and I had to have, you know, a certain number of because because of that. So because they didn't want to waste the, the manpower of, of having two or three cop um screws going with me to the hospital, they kept can they kept cancelling the, the appointment the prison did. So by the time I got there, it's a I. I'd it had got osteoarthritis and it had it's just more or less eaten all of my cartilage. So now I can only move it like that. and Only got that ah. much movement in it. So it's literally just bone against bone. Ah. Yeah. I've had three operations on it. What the hell? Anyway, I, that's why I was doing press-ups. Okay. Doing press-ups because it's the only thing I could sort of do. That, we didn't put too much strain on my arm. Plus, just after I'd done that, or just, was it just after? Yeah, just after I did that, I then herniated it a disc in my neck. I was just doing, warming up press behind the neck and I thought someone had slapped me on the head and I out, it just fucking hit me on the back of the head. I'd herniated a disc and that caused a lot of nerve damage. <coughs> and anyway, I'm in the, I'm doing press with so people on the bike and what had happened is, some guy wanted to get this guy because he'd done something to him. So he'd bought a, a bottle of, um, a gla- it was a glass bottle and it had, um, Chili in it, sweet chili. He'd emptied it and he'd broken it because they're quite thick bottles, and he'd, he'd brought it to the gym with him to get this guy. At that time, there was the prisons minister going walking around the prisons with the governor, and literally 30 seconds before they were walked in, this kid's attacked this guy and just like ripped his face to pieces, and there's just blood everywhere, all over the place, and. um He's literally, they've just walked into that, and I, and I know this is what this is exactly what he's seen. He's walked into a place where there's a guy screaming, there's blood just everywhere, and everyone on the row is, and the runners are just running, and I'm just doing my press. No one's took any notice. No one's taking any notice. He's walked into that, and they've just huddled him back out. And I think in his mind, he he must just see this. This happening, and everyone's just not, they're, they're too interested in the training. They've only got an hour, they want to get the training done. No one wants to interrupt their training. They're hoping that the gym won't get shut.
2: You know, let's just get on with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, and these things happen all the time. You could have a litany. If, if I sort of told you everything that happened in prison, you'd think, oh, it's murderous, but it's not. Over a period of six, the six years, I was in that particular prison. You know, lots of things happened, but.
0: Did you see anyone get jugged?
1: What do you mean? Shit it up.
0: Jugged with hot hot water. Oh yeah, it. yeah,
1: water with, with with sugar in it. Yeah, that 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 got done a few times. Uh, shit, the shit thing, the piss in the shit. You know, in on a screw. You know, and they're talking when it, and it goes straight in the mouth. <sighs> and the smell of that, there's people being sick. Well, because like, the smell is that bad, the whole wing stinks, and people are being sick just because <sighs> just from that. Something happened that was really funny. Just thinking about that, there was a. Um, one of the screws was a was a woman who's a bit overweight. Someone had had, had shitted someone up, and she came in, and she, her, her shoes were really tight. <laughs> this is hilarious, and this this happened. swear to God, this is what happened. She slipped on the shit, went up in the air, and landed bang on her ass, and the shockwave... The fat down there blew the soles off her shoes. What? <laughs> she hit the floor. The soles of her shoes went like, boof, just blew them off.
3: <laughs> I mean, no, bless her, but it was it,
1: it, that was just like <laughs> you couldn't have made that up. You wouldn't have even thought of it. <laughs> just blew the soles straight off the soles of her shoes. She only had like thin, thin shoes on.
0: Did you bump into any high-profile or famous people like Charles Bronson, anyone like that?
1: No, no. I mean, one of the guys involved in the in the, the hot dog thing, he's now really notorious. The guy that was actually the one that they said, I don't know if he did. got no idea if he did. He's, um, the people that knew him in there used to say, well, oh, he, he don't fucking like you. <laughs> uh, you know, he'd like to kill you. Wow. So um, I don't know. I still really don't know why he's got like that. But I think, you know, when, he's decided to believe that I did it and I stitched him up he's still he's got that in his head and you know he even attacked me once when I went to visit someone else mm. um it was you know it, it was I was not expecting it the kid that was visiting said that he'd been saying this and that and I thought no it can't be I thought he's winding me on and then he just said Rams I turned around and he just threw a punch and I managed to block it but he hit me with another and he's a tough kid he hit me in the cheek and then come at me and I've just managed to, I've clipped him and just got my hands on his neck because that's one of the techniques, you Now putting people to sleep. It's, it's, it's quite, it's very easy and it, you don't really hurt me. I got him and he, he that would have, but he, the screw jumped on us and it got finished pretty quick
2: mm.
1: and, um, <clears throat> I realized then don't, you know, that he'd got something, the screws come and I said, look, don't nick him because. You know, I said that was my fault. I spat on him. I didn't, but I, I, I said I did. And they they sort of said we saw what happened. Uh, and I, and he shouted to me, "Oh, that punch got you, then? That were good. That was good. That good punch that way, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't it, rams, that, that that got you, didn't it?" <laughs> and I said, and I'll apologise now for this to him. Actually, I said, if you if you know if, if that will make the next thirty years in fucking Nick, you know, easier for you, yeah, you knock me out. So I apologise for that. It was, it was. I shouldn't have said it. You know what I mean? No matter what, it, you know, it, it ain't good to do. That, you know, bird in, in prison. So
2: yeah.
1: I apologise for that. And then his, his, his mum and his missus started screaming. They wanted me arrested because I'd threatened to kill him in the changing room, which I'm not in the in the in the waiting room. I'd ne- I didn't even see him. I'd, I'd never seen him before. Mm. So chicken but- shit.
0: <clears throat> if a young person came to you and said, "Look, Ramsey, I'm going to prison." Just give me advice, you know, how I should behave in there. What would you say to them?
1: Keep out of the drugs. Don't borrow money. Don't borrow anything off anybody and just be polite, but do not allow anyone to bully you. And if someone comes to your cell, which they do when you first get in and asks if you've got, because you've just come in, have you got any coffee? Uh, Have you got a roll up? You say no. Even if you've got 10, Bottles of coffee, 500 cigarettes, and you're holding a, a spliff. And they say, if you got a fag, you go, no. Just do that because once you've said yes, that you you're going to be a nightmare. Then you're going to have them come in all the time. And, and it gets harder and harder to stop them. You know, and then they'll get nasty. So that's that's the only advice. You just, But keep your head down. Just get on with your bird. And... Just don't piss anyone off because they can get into trouble. I didn't really get in, in much trouble or anything in there because I'm not that sort of person. I'm a very when you're a very confident, happy person, it intimidates people. <laughs> people are either attracted to you or intimidated. The bullies are intimidated yeah. because they, they they feed off fear. So if you're not fearful, the, the, the only reaction they can have is to be fearful of you. That's 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 how their mind works. So I was very I'd walk onto a wing, know anyone and everyone. would say, "How you doing, mate? You want me up. Super. And if there was, you know, if that a big pair of flip flops, I say, I got a pair of them. Is that the same myself? You did just have a laugh and and be very, and that's how I was. But a lot of people can't be like that, you know. And I will talk to anybody, but I'm not one of these that, oh, he's a smackhead. don't talk to him. I'm not one of them. Some of those people that people said were smackheads, they were the most intellectual people, the most interesting people that you'd ever meet and really willing to better themselves. And if you when you're in prison, if you can if you can better somebody, if you can make someone feel like they want to be a better person, that's what you've got to do.
0: That's a good thing. Positive karma. How is respect earned in prison?
1: A lot of it is preconceptions, things that people have already said, pit things people know. That that's that's important. But also being kind to people, but without being a soft touch you know, and be polite and give everyone a chance. And you've got to understand that there are certain people, I'm very tactile, but there are some people, you can, you know, when you, you go, you're all right, and they, and you know, they've probably had something in the past that, you know, they don't like people touching them. So don't be offended by it, except they don't like to be touched. That, you know, those sorts of things, just understand people. And and but be a good guy and and. Be willing to talk to anyone, you know. Because I, I mean, this is ridiculous. I would have guys talk say to me, "Why, why are you talking to me?" I can't understand why I spoke to him. Hmm. Yeah. So why well, you can talk to anyone, and you know, I said, "How can you think like that?" You know, it's, People are so insecure.
0: So what about fear in prison? Then, is it better to be feared or respected?
1: It's better to be respected and liked. Because you know, you got what you got to remember. Whatever you think you can do, however fearless you think you are, you know, there are other people. If you can feel like that, there are other people who can feel exactly the same way. Always remember that. You know, it's it's like try to you know and, and accept whether what they you know whether they total direct opposites to you. Accept the fact that if you can do it and you you can feel it. And you're willing to do it and there's someone else just as willing, you know, that's, that's, I think, important to understand.
0: And did you see that play out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You see, you see things like that play out. Yeah. That people, you know, think they've got their upper hand and, and they're really just dealing with themselves. Yeah.
0: So it's like an inner journey then. It, sh- it should be an inner journey. Uh, sadly in America. It can be. Sadly in America. Um. The majority were injecting, and that's all the day really revolved around because they don't give you many educational opportunities out there. I guess got books sent in to me by my family and friends. We're filling the whole library at one point, like a Shawshank Redemption moment. Um, but it's sad because meeting the prisoners, I learned that the people with addiction issues had been traumatized as kids, abused in one way or another.
1: most of them, most of them. You When you talk to them, which is – and I, I used to – there was a few guys I used to get and what I used to do is I'd, I'd get I'd talk to them in the cell and what I'd do, I'd get philosophical quotes or just quotes in general and say to them, and they and, and you'd see them spark and they'd get excited by it and say, what do you think that means? And they wouldn't get it. They'd say something, but it wouldn't be right. And then you say, all right, this is what it means. And then you spit and they go, that's how I think. I think like that. And the light goes on, and they go, shit, yeah. And all of a sudden, they realise they're not they're not alone. They're not the only one that thinks this is it. This is a this is a condition, a human condition. And and they end up, and eventually, they then understand the language themselves. Because if you don't read a lot, you're not a good reader. You know, people say you're a good writer, but you need to be a good reader first. You know, and some people are not good readers. They will give them a book and they just switch straight off. You know, it's like the, the when people write books, most people the first bit, the chronological bit of it. The first bit, the, the, when they were kids, people just skip to that. They, they don't even want to read it. It's gone, boop. They're not bothered. They just want to go, look at the crimes. That's what most people do in those books. Um, I mean, I, I did write, I've, I've written some sort of memoirs and sort of philosophies and stuff and, and anecdotes and vignettes and and, and and and. but I've not put them in any chronological order. They just go, so you can literally read a chapter book and you pick it up and read something. It's not a story to follow. It's not, I, I don't like those chronological criminal you know this is my life as a criminal you know and it's first i nicked a you know I, I nicked a fruit salad and then it ended up ended up nicking the world you know <laughs> I owned the world for a week
0: <laughs> an important part of prison then i mean the two things that people look forward to the
1: most are your visits oh, and absolutely. your mail yeah. feel, feel free to join in sam how, how are your prison visits Fantastic. I mean, Sam was unbelievable. She must have visited me every week, like in both my centres. She's probably been with me for four, I've been 13 years in Nick, you know, 14. Uh, And so, you know, and she's visited visited me every week and sometimes twice a week.
3: The first two years, it was twice a week at Doncaster. Yeah.
1: And then once a week after that, because the
3: Genesis Genesis visits. And I just want to say there was sort of like an intimation there that when I took stuff in, I've never, ever taken any contraband into...
0: No felonies, the, folks.
3: No, well, no, the thing is, when you've got your children with you, there's no way you would your
0: children with Of course, yeah. Sort of, Those,
3: um, yeah, of course. I took lots and lots of Italian food, oh, lots oh. and lots of seafood marinara that we said was the babies. <laughs> oh. We it we took, I took drinking on the Genesis visits. He had coffee percolators, ground coffee. The, the screws used to go to him for coffee.
1: <laughs> coffee, <laughs> coffee in the morning, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: But the visits yeah and the, there was some everybody's um situation is different and there's the ability to afford to go there's the ability to have the time or the, the transport to go um but I, I couldn't bear the thought of him not
1: having anyone go and visit him. Yeah, I maybe mean, you look forward to it. It's like you know, it's like the it's a pivotal part of your week. Because I used to see people, and they get all dressed up, and then the visitors won't turn up, and it might have been the mates, and this week after week after, and you just saw it, just woo, woo, just wear them away.
0: And they're just gazing out the window at the car park. Yeah, right. up and they feel so embarrassed, and the message never shows up, and they're gutted.
1: Yeah, and. and very put them embarrassed in, put them in the yeah, room. they used to put them in there, sitting I don't there waiting. Them not getting
0: a. Visit. Do you want to bring your chair over here because we're gonna we're gonna finish soon. Do you wanna be in it at the end of this let's do that
1: come on I'll make you famous.
2: <sighs> Got Got there. Billy the
1: kid.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. we we'll put you there and we just need to keep you close to this.
3: Okay. It's right. I'll just reset
1: we going on too long.
0: No, no, we're perfect. I
1: mean, there's actually loads more that I could talk about. I'm sure, there is. I bet
0: the viewers are going to want you it back be, for Pat. Pat? It should <laughs> <two, laughs> be It should
1: be too much. It'd be.
0: Oh, it's never too much. We had. Um, I had a guy who spoke for five hours on Monday. Yeah.
3: yeah. You must hear some really interesting stories. I've oh, got the easiest job
0: in the
1: world. Yeah. Hearing fascinating stories.
3: Fantastic. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So never even spoke about training really no a lot of making slobber on about that well i managed to do it because i said I said, if I've got to sit down (laughs) for two hours. I
3: wanted to say this, but I thought, no, he might be embarrassed.
1: I said, I "I wonder if I'll be able to last like two or three hours without farting. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs>
0: are we allowed to keep that in yeah. please keep that yeah. in James I, I almost
3: said it and I thought no this
0: is a smiley this is a very smiley podcast today
1: when we yeah. were driving up here I said are you
3: practising I for.
1: said no, I'm dying for a piss I'm holding that in so, but I'm, just, I'm just thinking I'm going to have my stomach feeling because you won't be able to blame the dog <laughs> while he's here yeah.
0: <laughs> I'd have just gone to say. (laughs) But we were on the subject of food, actually. We were talking about um, the visits, then the prison visits. Well,
3: what was funny was, that I've got a couple of funny stories, because can you remember when um, Barbara Windsor was seeing Knight? What was his name? Ronnie Knight. Ronnie Knight. Ronnie Knight. Well, apparently she'd taken him in in, in a sandwich and it all got blown up out of proportion. So all the prisons were then sort of cracking down (laughs) on food. And I'd... um, I used to take him in Moules Marinard, which literally you took the top off and it was garlic, just,
1: just garlic,
3: red wine. <laughs> and um, he'd, got, he'd got a friend, we, we'd got a friend with us who's sort of big chap, does the doors in uh, Nottingham, used to people. He sort of um, was used to quite a lot of respect. And um, the chaps come round and try to get him to not eat the food, the screw has. And he went, no, it's the babies.
1: Like this. You like to bring baby food, didn't you? Yeah. Can you bring baby food? Yeah. yeah. It's baby food. I'm finishing it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking great, Yeah. <laughs> three kilos, yeah. Mars marinara? Yeah.
3: And he basically, he basically got went to get rid of him, but the screw felt embarrassed about being not listened to, so he turned around to his friend and he said, "Oh, is this your dad?" <laughs> We we both started <laughs> laughing, and he turned around. and went, "Do you like lying on your fucking back?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think So he so went white and just walked
0: off. Yeah. Just pull your chair forward a bit, Sam. So you're, ma- so you're close to the microphone. Thanks. What was like the, the routine for getting into the prison? Was it easy?
3: No, no. Some some were easier than others. Doncaster was horrendous.
1: But it was then at that time when you could get the food in before they before they became. Yeah, but the
3: actual the actual process of getting naive. in in the. Oh, yeah. prison was quite difficult and that was hard with children because you don't want them to feel hurt or embarrassed or upset so we, we tried to turn it into sort of like a game and my, my youngest when he had to go through the scanners he would always have something like a hair grip or a penny and he'd slide it Behind, and then he'd get to the other side and get it. And then when we when we got into the sort of like vacuum things, he'd go, "Look, Mum, look, did it."
2: Um,
3: and it was it was difficult, and there was certain sort of systems that you didn't know until you'd been going for a while, and you'd realise. So you could drive all the way up to Doncaster for the visit. If you didn't get there before a certain time, then you had to wait three or four hours before you could go in. So you you'd literally be there all day long, and we used to do two visits a week there for the first two two years. Um, and obviously the prison staff make it a better or a worse experience. So there were, shout out to the ones that made it easy for kids and, and for families, but there were ones that made it extremely difficult. Um, yeah, it did depend on the staff, didn't it? Yeah. Because he was always so polite, um, to staff. He wouldn't allow them to call him catchik So he wouldn't respond to that. So they all started to call him by his first name and he respected them as well. So it is about how you treat people, I think.
0: Of course, yeah. And what about the kids? How was the whole situation for them? You know, getting arrested and then visiting prison?
3: Um it was difficult, really, really difficult. Um, especially for the older ones. Um there's a seven and ten year difference from the older ones to the younger one. Um, And I basically never, ever told him what the sentence was. Didn't allow anyone to talk uh, about it around him. Um, And we just sort of went from there. And I realised quite early on that it had to be deal with this on a daily basis. Because if you think about, he was eight when he went into prison. If you think about him being 18 when he comes out, that's overwhelming. So... It was a daily, a daily basis. And I have to give Milo credit where it's due because never once did he never want to go on a visit. Oh. Every Sunday or every Saturday, we were in the car. He knew that's what we did. And yeah. he loved seeing his dad, so.
0: Yeah. Were there occasions when you drove out there and then it's locked down, you can't even get in, anything like that happened?
3: Yes, yeah. Not, not very often, about twice when we've got there and we, and we can't go in. Um, or we've had a delay of, or five hours
0: before we can get in yeah and you know because um you've been in and out of prison then and then you've got this long stretch do you have like a post-release plan to not go back to prison you, you...
1: no no what what i decided is i've done enough prison i, I owed it to my family not to go to prison and, and that and i just just stopped yeah I just decided i'm not going to do it again it's sort of like you know you grow out of it you get older and you just grow out of things and it's like yeah i've done it i've done that worn the t-shirt no longer interested in it yeah it's not interested in doing it
0: well we talked about the meaning of life didn't we and happiness is important family and love that the strength of that just makes you want to do the right thing isn't it you know seeing yeah. my dad and my mom fly five thousand miles to speak on my behalf in a court yeah. um i like crying when i heard my dad speak seeing my mom in the visitation room just a face the very first time she come to visit me a face and you're just thinking it's not just you know me being punished here. it's the family members as well isn't it and you know kudos to you both you know you got this really strong relationship and you got through it and now you're successful got out and got into the gyms was that was that your next line of yeah, work yeah i mean it's
1: just what i want it's something that i've always sort of worked in gyms or had gyms and It was just something that I enjoy doing, and I didn't realise how much I I just enjoy doing it. And I love talking about gyms. I love talking about bodybuilding. But I'm I'm proper old school, you know. And I Mm -hmm. agree with, you know, with you you hear the old school bodybuilders, you know, that were in the era of Arnold and that in the seventies and the eighties and the early nineties. Old school is is an attitude. It's a way of life. It's not, you know, it's not just training and the equipment it's a it's, it's a something about the way you think about the world and whenever i meet people who it, that have that attitude i can I, I talk to them and it's as if i known them all my life because they see the world the same way i see it and and that and that is, is so pivotal to being able to have a relationship with someone to say that you see things in the same way because it's no point trying to get through to somebody that doesn't see things in your way, doesn't understand it, because you're just wasting your time. It's it, it's not doing them any good. It's not doing you any good.
0: Yeah. Did you have concerns, Sam, um, that Ramsey would stick to his post-release plan, or you know maybe the old characters would start calling?
3: That was something that I was concerned about. Um, but there's also a bit of a a thing when somebody goes to prison. There's that old saying: you find out who your friends are. Oh yes. So definitely. that was certainly. Um, true in our case and there's people that have just been there through thick and thin um but i think we pretty much i knew without talking about it that he didn't want to be in that situation again and he didn't want the children to have to go through that situation again
0: yeah so there was a hurry story though that came after prison about um you started this gym with your friends but one of the guys was killed by his curer chopped up with a chainsaw and put in a
1: freezer yeah. what yeah. the hell happened there well i've been speaking to sean um when while i was in prison I, I, you know, and uh, he'd had an accident uh, and been paralyzed from the chest down <laughs> on a motorbike he he was going home and he just last minute he changed his mind because someone was pulling out in front of him. i'll go around the roundabout and someone just u-turned and he went straight through the window caught his shoulder broke his and he it was paralyzed. There's a very tough kid. You know, people thought he was a bully, but he was he was brutalized by his dad. And he, you know he, these things came out when I was having conversations with him, you know, he'd lived on hate kept him alive. He wanted to get better, get out and not just all these people that had let him down. You know, when when he, the ones that were supposedly his friends and it's a difficult thing, you know, when someone's paralyzed like that and they don't get out of the house and um <clears throat> he wanted to do something. And he said, can I put, because he uh, got some money. I'd got I'd got Kit, but I ain't, I ain't, I ain't got the money because, it, you know, they, they take all your money off you. So he said, can I put some money in? And a couple of times he tried to give me the money and it, it had just not gone there. I was never, I wasn't that happy about having it because I know kids it is a control freak and it had got right on me now as I've been having to pick him up every day and bring him in. and But, I thought for him it's going to do him good you know to give him something give him a purpose because he appeared to have no purpose i went around his playing, and he's just the windows are shut and he's just playing on his game and, and it was and, you know and he was greasy and his, his dad, his is this his mate was they were smoking spice or whatever they were smoking and it was all really weird and he looked massive as well because obviously his mates had been getting steroids as well and he'd got some weights and he were doing that on his, his <laughs> you know so his shoulders and that it, it, it was and I just thought, I've got to get him out of this. And then he said, look, I've I've trans... I, I, I think he gave me a cheque. Yeah, he gave us a cheque. But this kid had been doing his finances. Tom. Yeah. Don't say his full name. I'm not going to. He, he got, um, got control of all of his finances. Mm. He gave me a cheque because he kept trying to transfer this money and then it was not getting in. But what, what we didn't know is this kid was stopping it because he wanted his money. He'd been having his money. And what what had happened was he gave us the check. And then my, Mark, my uh, my partner, the one that, that he, was, he, he did One Directions, He's, he was their personal trainer and just CP for them and he'd done the world tour with them and everything. He um, didn't look to see if it had cashed. And it, it, it never cashed. And we just noticed, and I I went to ring um, Sean up, and he didn't answer to tell him <laughs> that the cheque had, you know, that it hadn't, as it was. I'm glad it didn't. It just never went in. It had been stopped. It had been stopped by this kid. Now I don't know what happened, uh, but I tried to I tried to get a text him. And actually, the last text he got, I texted him. That was the la- I, I was the last person to text him, and I got an answer from it. Well you're all like, right mate, and it's, it's all a bit, you made all right mate, much respect, much love, and it seemed a bit weird, but it was the carer had already killed him and he answered it. He'd answered it to me. And what he what he'd obviously done, I think, I'm only speculating, but I think Sean had found out that had the money and then maybe threatened him, maybe with me or with something or whatever, but he decided to kill him. And I'm not sure how he did it. What he did was, after he'd killed him, he then went out and used Sean's credit cards to buy a freezer and a chainsaw and then chopped him up and put him in the freezer. Okay. But it took him ages to find his head, didn't it? it didn't know where his head was. The job finding his head. Yeah.
0: There was an attempt to get married in the USA.
1: Yeah. What happened there? Um, all right. <laughs> 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 no We were going to get married in Las Vegas. We decided we were going to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Sam had, had got a, you know, got a, wedding, a dress. wedding dress and everything. We were going out there.
0: Not a little white chapel. That's where I got married. <laughs> was it in
1: Vegas? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well we were going to decide when we got there. Yeah, okay. We, <laughs> what, what we were going to do? We hadn't got there, and I think we got to Boston. I think was it Boston? Was Boston the yeah. first time? no, yeah, it was Boston the yeah, first, time, first time. Yeah, first time. Yeah. We went back to Denver, didn't we? We've got there, and and. I'm talking to the customs guy and he's um it he was a bit off with me you know
3: but we can I just say this bit first cuz we basically went into the immigration part it was like a really big open open plan hall with areas sectioned off and we were the first people in this immigration area and we were just standing there and this little guy came and he looked like Percy Sugden out of uh, Coronation Street and um he for the older listeners. For the older for listeners. The older listeners. He, that. Yeah, he, he basically told us to sit down. He said, sit down. And we said, oh, if you don't mind, we've just been sitting down for like 11 hours. We just want to just stretch our legs. Um, and we had to take a ticket like a, a deli. And then this area started filling up. And this guy came back again. And he went around every single other person before he had to come to us. So you could tell that he'd got like some sort of personal thing.
1: It was obvious. I was so handsome. That's
3: right. I did actually say that to him. I did actually say that to him. <laughs> I, I was handsome
1: and I'm taller than him, and there's very few people I'm taller than, him, but I was taller than him. Yeah, I was handsome. We were tanned. Sam looked, you know, fantastic, and he was just bloody jealous, mm. you know. It's mean, simple as. And he said, "Have you got any, you know, criminal record?" Of course, you always lie. He say, "No, you haven't," because that's all you did there. They didn't check anything up. I just said no, and, and but I made a joke. I cracked a joke which was a, but once I was um, I was caught with my hands in my pants and, and then I was arrested for handling swollen goods <laughs> but I later got, a re- later got released uh, without discharge and, and like other people laughed he didn't he just went away come back and said you're not going you're, you ain't coming into she so said she can so said well, you should fucking marry herself <laughs> <laughs> And uh, mm. anyway, he started. You know, we had a bit of, I had a bit of a shout, fucking I gave him a bit of a shout, and he uh, threatened to <clears throat> don't make me pull me gun on me, gun on you, and all that shit. And then he went and got two big bodyguards. Mm. Well, they, they were not bodyguards, what were they? They were just other staff, but body, they were bodybuilders. Security, I was, security, yeah. Chaps. And there were big, big guys came up, and they both and they both said, "Proper cunt ears," as he fucking he ate bodybuilders because he's a little fucking idiot and, that, that, and they put us on the plane and they got us an hamburger and they got they said Do you want out you to know, eat on
3: the way there we were started we were starving by this point and we were going past the fast food concessionaries that were in the hall so i said could could we just stop and grab something to eat and this little one turned around and went i'm not your fucking babysitter like this we're like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so we got on the plane and then That was it. We got on the plane, and they'd given our passports to the staff, so we didn't have our passports. And there was something wrong with the plane, so everyone had to get off, but we couldn't because we were held. So we just sat on the plane on our own, and when one of the air stewardesses came and brought us some burgers to say sorry, and she actually did say "We're really sorry about what's happened. Mm.
0: So they sent you back.
1: Yeah. But we got back as soon as we got to the airport, we just got on another plane. We got another plane straight away and, and went, thought we're good to fucking Denver this time. So we went to Denver, Colorado, got there. But what he'd done, he'd, he'd, he'd reported it, but basically said that I'd hit him or something. No. So I then got grabbed, got arrested.
3: He, <coughs> I went through first and I got through fine. Then he went through.
1: No, I got stopped. Got stopped. Oh. And uh, they. Um, they put me and they couldn't find any they tried checked it up and realized that he had no right to do it but what had happened was a couple of years before i'd got i got caught bringing steroids into America mm. and what I'd had i got some because I'd been off steroids for five years and I decided i'm going to get to America train at Gold's gym just take some gear because you can't buy it's difficult to buy stuff there they're all like, oh no i don't take the gear Never took it in my life. Never <laughs> took it in my life. I was born with 20 stone. You know. <laughs> my mum's a lorry driver. <laughs> so it's, I thought, okay, I'll take some gear. And obviously they've seen it in the X-ray and they've seen that because syringes are a offence in mm-hmm. themselves. It's it's uh, um intent to to do to do something, you know what I mean? There's something intent, it's, it's quite a fucking serious shot just having syringes. Anyway, they pulled me over and just said, Have you got anything? in your bag I said what do you mean have I got anything to shunt out Then yes I said, no I've not got anything to shunt have. but you're oh, you're probably talking about steroids she went yes that's right they opened it up and then they said you know I was under arrest they got the state troops, and the state troops said look this is a serious offence uh, you know you, we're going to have to get the feds involved so I had to wait for the feds to come so the feds turned up <clears throat> they've gone through all my stuff and in my in my wallet I've got a photograph of me in Iraq when I'm about three years old maybe swatted in the dirt like looking like that at the camera and he's pulled it out me on it and he's, he's going who's that I think he thought it might be my son or something because I said that's me before I started taking steroids <laughs> 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 He <laughs> burst out laughing just like that both of them did the feds and they, they they looked at the state troopers and they went you deal with him he's okay and they just and they, and they, got, and they, they went okay you'd have ended up a year in, in prison at least for that wow so they've just literally got you off you're probably just getting a fine holy shit so I ended up in court I had to you have to get someone to do bail for you you know and, that, and it was July the 4th so the, the, everyone was out partying and I managed to get somebody and then the next day I went to court and, and this is funny because the judge—I mean, the judge is sort of a slightly different role there, don't they? They behave in a different way to the judges over here.
0: Oh, everything's different, yeah.
1: When I went in, some guy came and said, "You've been represented." No, he said, "I'll do it for four hundred dollars." So I said, "All right." I didn't, I didn't pay. I didn't pay him. And when I went in, I got in front of the judge and I said, "He was talking to me." He went, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! So, uh, you're talking English, but I can't understand what you're saying. Where are you from?" I said from England. They went, England steroids aren't illegal in England, and, and he looked at the the, the customs I said, why, why have you nicked him? What? what, what you just let him go. He, they, you know, he doesn't. He didn't know. And they said, Oh no, we've got to do it now. We've done all the paperwork. So he said, I've got to. He said, I've, If you've got any money, he says, because I've got to fine you a thousand pound. And which are a thousand dollars. sorry, which I did have. And he said, Did that guy just approach you and say so he'd represent you for four hundred quid? I said, Yeah. He said. Forget that. Use him. is free. Free, and, and <laughs> said, "I'm not. I'm going to make sure you don't get deported. I want you to go." And I said, "I'm going to." And I said, "I'm going to Gold, Gold Gym. I'm going to Santa Monica. I want to train at Gold Gym." And he went, "Say hello to Arnold for me." <laughs> 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 and I thought, oh, "No, they get judges like that in England. You know, there's no way they'd, they'd behave like that." Yeah. And and I went out, and for some reason, I got followed out by some black lads who thought they'd heard me, heard that I'd had a firearm and then been let in and they were saying are you mi6 are you mi6 are you special <laughs> secret service said what are you on about I said, well you you had firearms and then they let like, you in firearms so they didn't have firearms so just they did we heard them we heard what you said and then you know and they were really sort of intrigued and I had to walk really fast and get away from them <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was good and then we got, got went, I stayed stayed for a number of weeks in uh Santa Monica training at Golgi gym twice a day and then Sam came out and you know Trained at college gym as well, and it was a uh, good form. Us had my arm, yeah, my arm.
3: But that's what they used as a reason in Detroit. Yeah.
1: they they found that mm. yeah. and said right, and that was a reason to deport me. Mm. But then, but they, they couldn't didn't have a plane, so I had to go for a few days in in the detention center. And I said, how long I'm going to be in? They said, no, whatever. They tell us half hour before. So I thought, oh, fucking, hell. and it was just full of obviously Arabs and and. and South Americans and people that wanted to get out of the country. And he had the uh, orange suit huh? and, and, and on. Oh. And, and they had put the orange suit and they've got no stretch in them. So I, you can't take them off on your own. Someone's got to pull them off. <laughs> now, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, I can't get this off. There's no way. I, there's no way I'm having that pulled over my head, you know, like with a load of Arabs, like maybe thinking, looks like a camel's ass to me. I didn't fancy that much. So <laughs> I kept my clothes on all the time, except I went out a, a shower, but I only, and the showers are just open. The toilets and the showers were just all along the wall, all open. Everybody could see them. And you it, it just, you were just like, it was like a, a, you were all on the floor on little camp beds. And that, that's, that's what you were on. And, and just everything was there. And there was female stuff and everything. And you had to have a shit and a shower in front of everybody. I had to get used to that. You know what I mean? It's just it was just like and everything had chili in it. Even the even the custard had chili in it. My ass was like a blood orange. It was like oh in the paper we were off. It's like oh, um. you know, so everyone's like oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, I was glad when they yeah, after a few days when they uh,
3: Well, while, while he went in, they took him, I'd gone up to the guy, they put me in a waiting room and I went up yeah, to this guy at the desk um to sort of try and find out what was happening. And he said, he, he isn't going anywhere. He got busted for steroids. If I were you, I would seriously reconsider marrying this guy. And <laughs> I was like. A bit
1: marriage <laughs> counselling
3: thrown in. Yeah. And then, um, so basically they've took him. And I'm, I'm like, what, what do I do? He said, oh, you can go. So he's given me his watch, his money and, and everything. And I've gone out. And the snow in Denver was like six foot tall so i just got a taxi and just said take me to the nearest hotel so i'm in the hotel and i've put the television on this is like the next the next day and um and there's riots and there's a state of emergency declared because on the same day in the same park they'd had the ku klux klan annual rally and the Martin Luther King New York <laughs> Rally. And they just separated by uh, a line of coppers yeah, holding the, the hands. The mayor thought
1: it was funny to give them both the license on the same <sighs> day.
3: So I, the mayor, the, 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 the housekeeping's come, and I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and I'm going, and she ended up sitting on the end of the bed with me. And, we were, and she was only about 16, 17. I said, what's going on? And she, she, she told me. And I said, that's outrageous. So no one was allowed out on the streets. And there was immigration and customs involved with his case, and neither agency liked the other. So I found it very um, fortuitous that I could say to one, well, immigration said this, and they go, well, well, it's not up to them. This is what's happening. So I was able to sort of play them off against each other. But I just got a call to say that he was going to go uh, to the airport but even right until the very last minute, we didn't actually know. Yeah, just
1: a half oh, hour before, get ready, you're going, and I'm thinking, fuck, oh, fuck, my house can't take any more than yeah. this, I'm off. And <laughs> put... smell as well, smelling, <laughs> you've got no deodorant or no nothing. And uh, Bird baths. Not for me. The people there have been nine years, because I said to one of the guys, I, I said, I'm, I'm, I'll be going soon, they just can deport me. He went, you ain't going no fucking way, man. I want to get out of this fucking shit, though. I've been in nine fucking years. And then he said, he's been here eight years. He's been here three years. We want to get out of fucking here. You don't want to go. Oh, you bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Officer. So I'm thinking, for the time of that, I'm thinking, shit, these guys were in exactly the same position I was in to be deported and been there nine fucking years because they're just the barrister's I'm just making money out of them.
0: Yeah, of course. Constant
1: appealing and stale, you know, when they just let me go home, please.
0: It's just a big racket, isn't
1: it? Yeah. It's like yeah. the guys don't want to die, innit? It's like, please just let me die. Why am I here for 20 years while you're making a fortune out of it? Yeah. Just, just I want to die. Please, you know, do me in.
0: Private prisons. So I know what the viewers are thinking at this point. Did they make it to Vegas? Did they get married?
1: Well, we're we're still together. No. <laughs> yeah, so we, didn't, we didn't we didn't get married because we, we got deported and I could never go back there again no. so, so it never but we you know we've been 32 years congratulations
0: you know, yeah. yeah
1: yes very happy you know still love her as much as I ever did Oh, okay. what a
0: fantastic note to end this on and just thank you so much guys for coming out today it's been a real you. pleasure enjoyed it when I interview someone who just smiles constantly I'm like on a high then for the rest of the day and I can just feel that yeah, yeah, that energy. Yeah, it's really yeah. Um, yeah something. So, is there anything you would like to say then to the people watching this? Do you want? Have you got like social media that you want people to follow you on or anything? No, I,
1: I don't. Um, I don't do social media. It's, it's not my thing. I, I, you, um, you can, you know, if I bored you to death, I apologise. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sometimes you, you know your your own personal drivel ain't so interesting to other people. Yeah, it's, um you know. And do you think if you'd... I if I amuse people, if I entertain them for a bit, then yeah, that's that's all I need to do, you know. I'm you, sure you, you did. Don't, you don't need to send any donations anywhere or anything like that,
0: you know. Do um, are you going to get your book out at some point? Your vignettes and your stories.
1: Maybe, maybe. Um, I've not really been approached by by anyone about it because I've never, I've not given it to anybody, you know. But yeah. uh, but it, I've, I need to finish it off because I've, since I I've come out of prison, the last eight years eight and a half years, i have not, I've not written anything but obviously there are other things i need i'd like to because i'd like to finish it off with what's going on in the world at the moment
0: yeah yeah i um own a publishing company i've published about 10 books for some of my podcast guests so if you want to send me some chapters i'd be happy to check that out yeah yeah so i hope you've smiled as much as me throughout this interview and enjoyed it and please let us know in the comments huge thank you to all the new subscribers Subscription logo is in the bottom corner of the screen. Huge thank you to James and Joe for coming out today and doing all this work for us to get you these high quality podcasts. And huge thank you to people who've gone down in the description box and clicked on our socials and our playlists and all of our other links. All right, thanks very much, then guys. Really appreciate thanks it. Very yeah. much. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.